departments from planning offices refused a speculative application for 211 homes. Reasons included that the proposals would introduce significant new built form within the rural area which would result in significant erosion and harm to the character of the whole area. The harm would be exacerbated by coalescence of these settlements and cause the loss of local distinctiveness. Furthermore, the development does not constitute sustainable development as set out in the NPPF. In March 2015, Oxford planning officers refused another application for 180 homes by the same aggressive and speculative property company, known for the same tactics elsewhere. The reasons included a failure to demonstrate a need for the development to take place in this particular location that would override the harm caused to the countryside. The same reasons of harm to the local area remained and the application failed to accord with the core principles of the MPPF and policy S7 of the ULP 2005. Furthermore, the proposal was defined as on the boundary of the countryside protection zone and would destroy the open relationship of the zone and its connectivity to the countryside. As such, the proposal represents significant harm to the CPZ and therefore does not account accord with policy S8 of the ULP 2005. In March 2015, Gladman appealed the UDC's refusal of 211 hours but withdrew a month before the hearing was due to start after Takeley and Great Council Parish Councils took Rule 6 status to fight the appeal. UDC put forward its consultant Alison Hutchinson to also fight the appeal and work with the Parish Councils. It felt so strongly that the application was inappropriate. In April May 2015, Gladman submitted site in the call for sites. Uttleford's conclusion is that as well as the huge highway improvements that would be necessary, the site was not considered suitable as development of the site would not lead to a sustainable pattern of development. And in February 2018, the site will begin again with Gladman putting in an application for 135 new homes. So over the last four years, this developer has twice attempted to gain planning permission on this site, followed by an appeal which it knew it wouldn't win. Uttersford itself has worked alongside Paris councils to defend its decisions, and remember, these historic applications and decisions have not previously been presented to the planning committee because both applications were refused by planning officers. So tell what has changed. The site itself is still considered unsustainable and is practically inaccessible. The proposal would still cause significant harm to the area. It still is not in accord with the Council's own policy S8. It would still result in an unacceptable joining of settlements. It would still destroy the open relationship of the countryside protection zone and is still unsustainable development as defined in the NPPA. Smaller applications nearby have been refused because of the development's unacceptable detrimental impact 
on the environment and sustainability of the area in terms of the harm caused by an extension of the built form and loss of open space. So how can this much, much larger development be acceptable? Simply, it is not. What, what indeed has changed? Nothing. Councils nationally have been fighting this soulless, aggressive company just out to gain maximum profit from farmland without a concern for the community's extreme impact. Nothing has changed. Council Arthurs has asked me to say that despite the District Council having a local plan in its final stages, there has the potential to build 10,000 plus homes in new developments throughout the area, it still appears intent on rolling over on unwanted, unwarranted, inappropriate and inaccessible development in unsuitable locations. It is a travesty that the planning department appears not willing to continue to uphold the council's own decisions to refuse permission on this site. When will the council have the courage of its previous convictions and stop allowing this area to be concreted over? As Councillor Pataki, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I urge you please reject yet again this application for yet another huge development in our area. It was inappropriate four years ago and it still is inappropriate. Chairman members, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if I can ask you to refrain from the applause, it's not a, that type of meeting, it's not, you know, not in the theatre, alright? Uh, can I have uh, Jeff Bagnall please? Mr Bagnall, you have three minutes. Thank you Mr Chairman, good afternoon councillors. Um, I've just got to say I fully support everything that uh, Councillor Jones has just said. Um, and I must say, I'm struggling to understand the motivation behind a change of heart from the planning department when previously this site was deemed completely unsuitable in terms of access and location. Uh, and has previously been rejected twice by the planning officers. <coughs> Yet, here we are, taking up valuable time. Yeah, can you, can you sorry, get close to the mic? The people yeah, here we are, taking up valuable time on something that would appear, in effect, to be the same application with a few different numbers. Take the Parish Council I know have had to join forces with Great Canfield Parish Council to spend taxpayers' money on uh, employing the two experts that you're going to hear shortly. Uh, and whilst we expect to spend money, or the Parish Councils expect to spend money fighting off applications from developers for inappropriate development applications, um, and we would welcome spending the money to do that, we expect that. But we wouldn't expect to have to be fighting off the local district council. So I think it would be helpful if the planning department explained their reasons for this apparent change in assessment. Uh, I urge the members of this committee to reject this application for the very reason that has already been outlined by Councillor Jones and will be further outlined in greater detail by Jeff Gardner and Bruce Bamba. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you, Mr. Bagnall. Uh, Graham Fisher. <coughs> Mr. Fisher, you also have three minutes. Thank 
Council members. I'm, I'm Graham Fisher. I'm an independent plan, town planning consultant uh, appointed on behalf of adjacent residents at Great Canfield Park. Firstly, let me state that we acknowledge that your council can't demonstrate a five-year supply of housing. However, a recent Supreme Court judgment confirmed that a housing shortfall did not render restrict environmental policies such as policy S7 out of date, but they triggered the operation of the tilted balance in the planning framework, which I'm sure you're familiar with. I also refer to a recent appeal at Chestnut Slumbo Newport, where the inspector stated, specifically in the context of policy S7, that that policy is broadly consistent with NPPF in terms of seeking to protect the character and appearance of the countryside and so still carries reasonably significant weight. His words are mine. The planning balance, the provision of both market and affordable housing should be accorded significant weight. However, this is the only real benefit of the proposal which must be weighed against the harm it causes. The site acts as a clear and important transition between the urban settlement takely and the sporadic scattered rural development in Great Canfield. Previous applications have been refused. The councillors explained why. This development would again completely eradicate this important gap and constitute a highly intrusive form of development that would significantly harm the character and appearance of the countryside and lead to a loss of local distinctiveness and the harmful coalescence of Takely and Great Canfield. This should be given significant weight. The tree assessment indicates a significant amount of trees on the site will be removed, resulting in substantial harm to the rural character of the area. This, again, should be given significant weight. The site affords important views of the complex of listed buildings at Great Canfield Park. The development would take place on the former curtilage of this heritage asset and intrude significantly into the views of the, these assets from the north, causing substantial harm to their setting. This should be given substantial weight. It's submitted their insufficient local services and amenities in both Great Canfield and Takeley to serve the occupiers of an additional 135 dwellings, which is 70% of the existing housing stock in Great Canfield. This would result in significant additional and unsustainable trips by the motor car, both to Dunlow, Bishop Stilford and further afield. This should be given substantial weight. The site is adjacent to the Flitch, Flitch Way. The objections from both the National Trust and the Essex Wildlife Trust on biodiversity grounds, these should be given significant weight. The housing allocations in the emerging local plan will, according to the Council, meet the objectively assessed housing need for Uttersford. This should be given significant weight. To conclude, it's clear that there are a number of policies in both your development plan and the NPPF that indicate this development should be refused. It's also clear that the adverse impact, impacts of granting planning permission would significantly and demonstrably outweigh its benefits when assessed against the planning framework as a whole. The development's contrary to development plan, there are no other material considerations, including the provisions of the MPPF, that are sufficient to outweigh this conflict. Therefore, we urge the planning permission be refused. My client is also concerned regarding the possibility of harmful precedents on other land south of the Flitch in immediate vicinity. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Fisher. Uh, Peter Hewitt. Mr. Hewitt, three minutes. 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Good afternoon, councillors. My name is Peter Hewitt. I live on Tapley Park, which is um, a, an award-winning residential mobile home park adjacent on the left-hand side of that map to the green area. It has 171 mobile homes on it and is situated immediately adjacent to the proposed development on its western edge. I represent 250 residents or so on the park, many of whom are retired and they rely heavily on the local facilities. Tapley Park was developed south of the Flitchway in 1988 solely due to the expansion of Stansted Airport in 1985. With regard to our mobile home park, the UDC policy TAC 3 sets a clear and robust policy seeking the retention of the mobile home park, stating that conventional residential or any other development will not be permitted. Yet there are a number of applications south of the Flitchway which will actually breach that rule. Tapley is a village that has undergone considerable development over the last 15 years and any further housing expansion should be considered very, very carefully. Infilling has already destroyed the rural nature and character of the village and additionally state development will overwhelm it. Although this site is in Great Canfield Parish, it will have significant impact on Tapley Village. Housing is being created by the applicant that will lead to increased strain on local resources, particularly for those for health care and education. At the moment, the only resources in Tapley, for example, are three pubs, two grocers, one newsagent, a fish and chip shop, a charity shop, and a small area where they repair um, tyres. As you may know, there are, three, there are three developments, proposed developments, along the Flitch Way, this being one of them. The total number of dwellings is over 500 new homes if all three are looked at, with a proposed school, various other structures. Although Uppersford District Council hasn't received approval for its new draft district plan, these proposals need to be considered in that context. We believe that any approval in excess of the figure that is stated in that district plan, which is 20 or so, is entirely inconsistent with what has been undertaken so far to develop that district plan. We believe on Tapley Park that it's quite clear that once the Flitchway has been breached for estate development, it will open the floodgates for additional homes to be built south of its border. We urge the Council to refuse this outline planning application and consider very carefully what happens with the other ones in the context of the Flitch Way. Thank you, Chairman. <coughs> Thanks, Mr. Hewitt. Um, can I have Lisa Southgate? Lisa, the same three minutes. Yep. Good afternoon. I've lived in the area all my life, 49 years. I grew up in Tapley. I've also lived in Bishop Stortford, Saffron Morden, and now Great Canford. My work takes me around Uttersford and across the border into Hearts, and over the past 30 years I've seen a great deal of development in the area, some good and some awful. I wanted an opportunity to speak today because as a resident of Uttersford, I really am not clear as to why this site is being considered again for development. I have read through the documentation and gathered from it that initial reasons for rejecting this application no longer carries enough weight. 
I'm baffled as to why it was not okay three or four years ago to develop this site, but it is okay now when it seems clear to me that the very valid reasons for rejecting the development remain the same. Nothing has changed. There are no new school places, there's no healthcare centre in Canfield or Takey, um, uh, the infrastructure is the same, the road is as it was, the wildlife and flitch are still there, and Hatfield Forest is still under pressure. The only change I could determine was um, that we are under pressure from the government to build a certain number of houses within a certain amount of time. And building 135 houses on a site which only a couple of years ago was regarded as unsuitable would all of a sudden be suitable just because it would give a significant positive effect on numbers. And this now outweighs all the other accepted reasons for it being unsuitable. It doesn't add up for me or my neighbours who can't be here today. This is why I would urge the planning committee to really have a good think about what they saw this morning and how such a development would be so detrimental to the character and the appearance of the area. You can mitigate all you like, but at the end of the day, once that field is gone, it is gone, and really and truly some things should just remain as they are. The worry is that if this development gets the go ahead, it seems inevitable that the field on the other side of the road will get permission for a further 100 houses. What then? What are we trying to create here, and for that matter, for the whole of Buttersford? It makes no sense. This whole U-turn looks like a knee-jerk reaction to a government directive. We need a plan that is not out of date. A coherent plan would stop this kind of opportunistic development. A proper plan would ensure that when a decision was made on the basis of an argument presented by residents who chose their village, it would be honoured and not subsequently overturned in order to make up the numbers. I refuse to be labelled a NIMBY. I realise we need to fulfil a, a housing quota. I just think there must be a better way. It would not be a good development. It would be one of the most awful developments. Same thing applies, everybody, really. Um, okay. Jeff Gardner. Sir, could Bruce first? Uh, yes, this is an objector. Yes. Mr. Bamba. I'm Bruce Bamber, uh, Director of Relton TPC Limited, uh, and I'm um, going to um, give some comments on transport and highways matters on behalf of Great Canfield and Take Clue Parish Councils. The officer report's conclusion is based on a balance that assumes that adverse transport impacts can be suitably mitigated and thus contribute little or no weight to the arguments against the development. The adverse impacts cannot, however, be suitably mitigated. The proposed footway between the site access and Dunmow Road does not meet Essex Design Guide or Manual for Streets standards, despite it having fundamental importance as the route between the site and local facilities, including schools and bus stops. Over the Flitchway Bridge, the width of the proposed footway reduces to 22 centimetres less than the absolute minimum standard. 
The vertical alignment of the bridge means that pedestrians will, at times, be forced to walk in the carriageway exactly where forward visibility for drivers is between 35% and 45% below safe minimum standards. Motorists overtaking cyclists will be in the path of oncoming vehicles that drivers are unable to see. The lack of safe and suitable provision for cyclists was a previous reason for refusal, and since then, provision has worsened. There is therefore an unacceptable risk to pedestrians and cyclists, including vulnerable highway users such as schoolchildren. The development's impact on the character of Great Canfield Road was previously deemed to be unacceptable. With the new access arrangements, that impact has increased. Condition 14 requires safety barriers at either end of the bridge parapets. The Highway Authority explicitly states that if barriers cannot be delivered while meeting technical standards, the development will not commence. There has been more than adequate time to demonstrate whether an acceptable scheme can be achieved, yet no such scheme has emerged. Conditions must be enforceable, yet this one is not. The proposed development will have a significant impact on the Four Ashes Junction. The modelling work has not been properly calibrated and is overestimating capacity. Despite this, residual cumulative impact is shown to be severe. The benefits of the proposed mitigation, a mover signal control system, are known to be limited and in some cases non-existent. The site is not in a sustainable location. The applicant states that the majority of services and amenities are within or just over one kilometre from the site, in excess of the 800 metres identified in many of the streets as defining a walkable neighbourhood. Bus stops are beyond Essex Design Guide and National Guideline walking distances. The officer report states that the Highway Authority has had regard to the Railton technical reports. Despite this, the above problems remain. The proposals are contrary to local and national policy in terms of highway safety, highway impact and transport sustainability. And the officer report, officer's report fails to weigh these adverse impacts in the planning balance. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bandler. Um, Mr. Gardner, and I'm sure you'll stick to the three minutes. I'll try very hard. Just before I start, I'm going to set out why, to, to give you some context of what I'm going to say. I'm going to hone in on the language that's previously been used, and I'm then going to ask you to judge whether that is uh, how that affects the judgment in the NPPF. You have three minutes. Thank you. The development of the site has already been refused permission by this council as follows, briefly. S7, harm to local disinquitive coalescence of settlements. S8, destroy the open relationship with the zone. Represents significant harm. The MV3, loss of the important tree and landscape structure that provides the character of Great Canfield Road. Gen 1, not a sustainable location. 
Jin Siren MPPF access to sign incompatible with usability, function and sympathy of the character of the countryside. In short, the development of 180 houses was rejected in terms of destroy, significant harm, not a sustainable location. The strength of these words is maintained by the current consultee as the landscape officer. Significant detrimental impact on rural character significantly diminished the rural character of Great Canfield Road. Planting would not reinstate or compensate for the loss of existing character. And there is no residential nature of this form at south of the British Way, which contributes to the separation of Tafee and open countryside in the south. Conservation officer seriously diminishes character. Urban, the gap is unfortunate coalescence between urban Takeley and bucolic Hope End. Very hazardous access from a narrow country lane. Carrots will be fundamentally altered. Essex Wildlife Trust, adverse effects on the Fletchway. Urbanisation, harmful edge effects. Health and safety executive. Sufficient reasons for refusal on safety grounds. So what has changed? The reduction from 180 to 135 dwellings is not mentioned as a factor. The report states the proposal does accord with the more up-to-date MPPF paragraphs 78-79. This is not so. 78 is all about maintaining the vitality of rural communities. Planning policies should identify opportunities for villages to grow. The proposals are only for housing, so no justification for claiming it enhances and no evidence that Tatum's vitality is in any way lacking. The second point refers to planning policies, which is a matter for the emerging local plan, not for development management. 79 is about the avoidance of development of isolated homes in the countryside unless specific circumstances apply. None of this applies in this case. The critical factor in the report's appraisal is at paragraph 1137. This is a change in the circumstances since the previous refusal. A five-year housing land supply cannot now be demonstrated. This is not a simple black and white matter. Paragraph 11 of the framework states that in these circumstances, permission should be granted unless any adverse impacts of doing so would significantly and demonstrably outweigh the benefit. The benefit being 135 dwellings, which in itself would not markedly change the five-year housing land supply position. Protection of the countryside widely recognised as being of particular importance, S7 and NPF, PF, paragraph 170, recognising intrinsic character and beauty of the countryside. This is similar to the wording in the 2012 NPPF, and many appeal decisions have recognised the importance of S7. Such impacts and their significance have already been recognised by this Council in stark terms in refusing the previous applications as detailed above. The consultation responses use terms significant detrimental impact, significantly diminished moral character, seriously diminished its character, leads to unfortunate coalescence. The officer's report is dismissive and not even a fair summary. These views are described as the moderate adverse effects on landscape character and the limited residual adverse effects on biodiversity and heritage assets. Now wrap you up, Mr. Gardner. Try and finish yet? Yep. This man has already dealt with that, the highways. What I would say to you is, this wouldn't be the first time that this authority has listened to the advice of Essex County but rejected it. It's your decision, it's your judgment. The consequences lay at your door, unfortunately. 
So I say the impacts are significant in Australia as evidenced in terms of the previous. There should be ample grounds for refusing based on S7, S8, ENV3, Gen 1 and Gen 2. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Gardner. Um, okay. Uh, if I'm timing that right, that's 20 minutes. Uh, we now have Mr John Lansborough on behalf of the applicant. Mr Lansborough. Before you start, I'd just like to say um, Gladman rang us last night and rang several of the members last night. It's not a very good idea. You know, we haven't had dinner. We're not going to talk to you, really, you know. So in the future, please advise whoever said whatever. We don't want telephone calls, okay? Thank you. Thank you. you have 20 minutes. Thank you. I, uh, I don't intend to say very much today, um, other than um, Clubman's, obviously. I'm sorry, but I can't continue if people are going to heckle. <coughs> sorry, apologies. Thank you. So, Gladman would just like to say that obviously we welcome the positive officer recommendation uh, following his detailed report um, into the planning application before you today. Um, we'd just like to urge the members to follow this recommendation and grant planning permission for this sustainable scheme. Um, if you have any questions, I am happy to answer them. Thank you very much. Uh, well, if you'd like to retake your seat, we don't work it that way. There's no question and answer situation, okay? So thank you very so much, officers. Thank you. Okay, that's all the speakers. So, members, it's over to you. Um, I'll start with actually Councillor Lachlan, then Councillor Lodge, then Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Chair. Um, oh, yeah, a couple of things. One, I'd like to. Oh, sorry, opposite. Uh, I'd like to ask Mr Mills, um, on page 24, um, paragraph 9.22, found um, it? Okay. It says Health and Safety Executive advises against the granting of planning permission and then it says extracts and I won't read the first bit but second bit says HSC's advice against the assessment indicates that the risk of harm to people at the proposed development site is such that SHE's advice is that there are sufficient reasons on safety grounds for advising against the granting of planning permission in this case. Uh, and if you could perhaps answer that and then I've got something else to ask you if you don't mind. Thank you. Certainly. So um, that response from the HSE is automatically generated from its online system. So it's based on consultation distances from hazardous installations. In this case, it's gas storage at Takeley Park. And there are consultation distances that move out from Takeley Park and therefore into the application site. With the previous applications, we got more detailed and bespoke advice from the HSE rather than the automated response from, from the online system. And in that, it was confirmed that as long as there was no... So the only area that was within the area of concern was this bit that's now labelled West Green. Now, the comments at that point from the HSE were provided that there was no play equipment in that area that would keep people in there for long periods of time, then they would have no objections. And in this framework plan, all the housing is outside of that 
zone and the no play equipment is proposed there and we can ensure that at the reserve matters stage as well. Right, thank you, because I, I did find that very worrying. Um, but the other thing um, that I have noticed on page 13, um, 6.2, and this takes us to the, um, the SHAR uh, in 2015, which it says is recently updated. It says the site is available. Availability of development is dependent upon highway improvements, which I believe have been done. But it says the site is not considered suitable as development of the site would lead to a sustainable pattern of development. I don't really understand what that means. Would that lead? I would not lead. That's my rotten reading, isn't it? Would not lead. That makes more sense. And then it says the lack of suitability was expanded upon as follows. This is a greenfield site just south of the Fitchway. The site is located within 800 metres of the B1256 where local services and facilities can be assessed. However, Canfield Road does not have a pavement. Development of the site would introduce a significant built form linking the hamlet of Great Canfield and Taken Village. Um, and then it says planning application reference UTT, which you know about, has been refused. Could you perhaps elaborate on that for me? Because uh, obviously it was rejected in the local plan uh, on the call for site. So if you could perhaps elaborate on that, I'd be pleased. Thank you. Yes, certainly. So, obviously, part of what's been talked about there is the harm that it would obviously cause to the council area through developing a greenfield site. The other element is about Canfield Road not having a pavement, and obviously, this was a comment on the site itself in principle before this application. What this application is proposing is <coughs> various highway improvements, including a new pavement linking development to Takeley. And is it possible that we can hear, I think we've got highways here, haven't we? Uh, could perhaps give us um, some guidance on that. Thank you, Ms. Mills. I appreciate that. I do understand that. Thank you. Uh, yes, so the, there are a number of um, um, improvements to the highway um, that have been put forward to link this up um, development up onto the B1256, um, one of which is a footway that extends from the site access um, um, along the uh, left-hand side of the road if you're coming from the site up to the um, B1256. Um, You've been on site today, so you'll see the, the constrictions around there, and they, they were pointed out as well by um, Mr. Bamba. What um, is proposed is that the road is widened to 5.5 metres wide. It's currently below that. Um, this will allow two large vehicles to pass. The footway along there, um, for the majority of that length, is 1.8 metres. We do, it is recommended that a footway should be 2 metres. This is 20 centimetres below that. Um, the minimum footway is 1.5 metres. That allows two people, one with a buggy and a person, to pass each other, which is in the um, manual for streets. Um, the footway is always above 1.5 metres, the whole length. The majority is 1.8, and there's a pinch point where it goes down to 1.7 for a very short period of time. Uh, length, length. Um, uh, along the along along uh, along the along the length over the bridge, um, which is um, 
acceptable in, in, in our view and is in the Essex Design Guide has been acceptable for short bits, for short lengths. <laughs> so it never goes below the 1.5 meter. Thank you, that's very helpful. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. Well, uh, we found out maybe some further comments there to have one, one uh, question I particularly want to ask, which refers to the, uh, the officer's conclusion, that its conclusion is number 12B, the second conclusion, that's on page 32. Uh, the paragraph, the sentence I'm referring to is maybe not the plainest English, but I think I understand what it says, but I'd like some further explanation. It says the tilted balance of paragraph 11 is engaged because relevant policies for the supply of housing, including the associated site allocation and development limits, are out of date. I would like to understand then what you mean uh, more specifically by those being out of date and what I was specifically referring to. Sure, uh, I can appreciate it's sort of a bit of planner speak perhaps in, in that sentence. So where that derives from is from the National Planning Policy Framework and it's what's commonly described as the tilted balance or it's the presumption in favour of sustainable development at paragraph 11 of the MPPF. That's where this, this stems from. So what that requires is in a case like ours where we do have um, a local plan which has residential allocations and things that are out of date, um, we need to give, we need to, our assessment has got to be weighing up the positives and the negatives, the uh, benefits and the adverse effects from development, and only where, this, where the adverse effects would significantly and demonstrably outweigh the benefits should we refuse planning permission. Now, in this case, I mean, of course, there's um, the planning history has been correctly described by a number of the speakers. Um, a couple of key things that have changed since the last decision. One is we now no longer have the five-year housing land supply, which we did at the time of the last application. And the other is now, as, as described by my highways colleague, there's now that pedestrian connectivity into the village to aid sustainable transport objectives. So. What that means is we've got a key benefit in the form of housing, the benefit to housing land supply from this development that we have to weigh against the harm, and there would be harm. The tilde, it is out of date because there is not enough within that 2005 local plan or within planning permissions, or within our building rates, to demonstrate we have a five-year land supply. So we have to take, unfortunately, we do have to take applications in a snapshot in time, and that's where we are at the moment. Three months, four months, five months' time, we could be in a different situation. The local plan could have gone through a lot more processes. But currently, we've got a spanking new Reg 19, whereby we are just currently considering the consultation responses. So therefore, it can only have limited weight. You can't rest everything upon that. That is why we're in this we're in this um, interim period in terms of a local plan that is out of date only in terms of its allocations and the development limits. And that's the problem we have. Now, put it that in context with the previous appeal in 2014, we were in a completely opposite situation. We still had a local plan that was 
out of date in terms of allocations, but we had a very healthy five-year land supply. And this same applicant had just had a dismissed appeal which had demonstrated that we had a five-year land supply and the appeal was dismissed. We had a very healthy five-year land supply and the council was quite clearly emboldened with its five-year land supply because we were in a very good situation to the point where this current applicant withdrew its application uh, because of the five-year land supply issue. We have not got that five-year land supply and that is a fact. And, uh, you know, and, the, and the, the status of the Reg 19 is, is it's, it's currently only got limited weight and we can't rest and say we've got a five-year land supply because we're at that stage of Reg 19. To be honest with you, that and the highway changes are the two things that have significantly changed since the last application was refused and members just need to assess whether that balance has tilted. And Mr Gardner couldn't put it any better. I think Mr Gardner put it there in terms of the fact is it's all about the tilted balance and whether or not that, the lack of five-year land supply outweighs the, you know, the benefits from providing houses and contributions to the five-year land supply and benefits, the houses, the new market dwellings is a benefit in itself as well as all the necessary one or six packages around this, whether that benefit outweighs a clear harm. It, last time there was no benefit because we had a five-year land supply, so therefore it's in, so that was the situation. Okay. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, it's an interesting one because it comes down to sustainability. And uh, I must confess I find myself quite frustrated. The, uh, to, to draw an analogy, if you will, um, when my, I have a very old car, as you know, and every now and again I have to take it down to the MOT station. And they look under the bonnet and they look under the, on the chassis. And if I'm fortunate, I get it back and I can drive. And that means that car is now sustainable and I'm not going to go and kill anybody with it. Unfortunately, sometimes it comes back with advisories. And the good part about advisories, if there's such a thing, is they tell me what I need to do to make it sustainable, to keep it safe. Now what's happened here is this car has pulled into the station since 2014 and had an MOT and was found unsustainable on a, on a litany of issues, S7 and S8 and within the CPZ and the Fitchway, which we've all agreed here is sacred. It failed its MOT on substantial grounds. It's unsustainable, so we'll bring it back. We brought it back, and the same advisories happened again. How long does it take? I was told, in fact, there's a famous quote that Einstein said, if you keep on asking the same question and expect a different result, it's, it's uh, the, the definition of insanity. I don't feel insane. This is unsustainable, and if we're, not that, if we're that desperate that we're going to pass this MOT at risk and safety in this situation, we're done. So I'm going to suggest here that we reject this. I don't think anyone here can honestly say it has changed the process of sustainability. Thank you. Before, before I take that proposal, before I take that proposal, I'd like to let everybody speak. Okay, I'll come back to you. Okay. Um, Councillor Redfern and then Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I would like to make a comment to uh, Lisa Southgate, um, who mentioned the local plan and saying how great it would be if we had a local plan in place. I think um, hallelujah to that. I think we all feel that. Um, and I'm sure it's just frustrating for all of you as it is for us that we, this is such a tough road to follow, but this council is working very hard on that. But that aside, um, having visited the site today, um, I appreciate that this is, as you call it, a weight. What weight do we give to things? And I have some real issues. I... Um, it's the joining up of two communities. 
it's the urbanisation of that particular piece of the piece of road. Um, the lady from Highways, I know you would call it imp improvements. I actually find it difficult to consider that this would be an improvement by widening the road, putting in a an urbanisation footpath into such a rural location. I just don't. Uh, I know we shouldn't be thinking about what else has gone on in the area, but actually, you know, there is a lot of development in that area, and I I just don't feel I could support this on because. Uh, I back up what our landscape officer and conservation officer said. There is harm to this. And it is, um, you know, you've got the Flitchway, what we're, what we're doing, breaching that. And, and for me, the fact that we have to narrow the footpath over the bridge because we, haven't got, we can't do anything about the width of the bridge, that's just not, I just don't feel that that's acceptable. Um, you know, it, a, an urban footpath in the countryside is what we're suggesting here and narrowing it just so we can squeeze in these extra houses is just I, I personally it's not acceptable to me there are loads of other things I could um, say about this um, but I, I have to agree with other members that have spoken and the majority of the uh, members of the public you know I mean it it really upsets me as a member for housing that I'm saying no to 40% affordable housing because, you know, another, I would always say bring that on. But for me, I, I just think the, changing, the change to the environment is, is, for me, that weight leans me towards I, I don't feel comfortable with this at all. Sorry. Okay. Councillor Freeman. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Chairman. Um, I think much of what I was going to say has, has been said, but briefly to reiterate, I, I, I agree with Councillor Redfern, uh, and I would point out, if I just take you through the officer's report, which is quite thorough. When I first saw this site, I thought, well, it's a field, and you know, apparently it's grade three land. It doesn't look like grade three land to me, but apparently it is. So, you know, okay, we need houses. But upon more mature consideration, uh, a lot of the arguments filter through and uh, swing one towards saying that we should not consent this site. And if I take you to page 13, uh, section 6.2, there's a thing called the Strategic Land Availability Assessment, which exercised all of us that have anything to do with planning. Uh, and uh, the, almost the penultimate line on that page says the site would not lead to a sustainable pattern of development. And that hasn't changed. If you turn over to page 14, 7.4, it's um, S7, which is the key factor in this. It's development in the countryside, and it is development in the countryside. And you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. This is development in the countryside. If you go on to page 15, parish council comments. Now, I know that parish and town councils are generally ignored. Well, not ignored, but they don't carry a huge amount of weight at this level. But the point is, these are people on the ground, and they are elected people on the ground. They are in touch with their local community, they're in touch with their local, uh, the things that are important to them. And Great Canfield Parish Council objected on the basis that it's not allocated for residential development, for the reasons uh, adopted, either on the adopted or the draft local plans. That's important. Of course, the adopted local plan of 2005 is one which has almost no weight at all when it suits us. 
It's basically a dead letter when it suits us. And then when it doesn't, when it suits us to actually say it's dreadfully important, we also say it's dreadfully important. You know, you, have, you can have it both ways. It depends how you want to argue it. Uh, and that is a feature of many things in planning. But certainly the local plan, which is extant at the moment, is generally regarded as being of no value at all when it interferes with uh, whatever is being recommended. Um, but the Great Canfield Village Design Statement, it conflicts with that. I don't know what Great Canfield Village Design Statement is, but somebody must have put a lot of work into preparing it, and once again it's the sort of thing which tends to get brushed aside uh, at this level, and I don't think it should. Uh, increased airport parking. Airport parking is a significant problem for those that live near the airport. It's not a problem which can be solved. We haven't succeeded in solving it yet. It's only going to get worse uh, with time and whatever. Uh, loss of agricultural land is 8.22 hectares, a significant amount of land. Uh, we have Brexit coming our way. Uh, who knows what the future will hold? It may be that agricultural land is suddenly much more useful than it is to us right now. We import most of our food now. In the future, we might not. Uh, Section 8.2, Takeley and Great Canfield Parish Councils between them submitted a combined objection, and they mentioned inadequate infrastructure, which is apparent, quite obvious, unsafe and unsuitable access, also apparent, and limited sustainable transport options, which I think are perfectly true. It's always very well to say you can put a bus there, but then that depends on the bus operators and on Essex County Council. It doesn't depend on us. It's not within our gift. So finally, moving on, Chairman, I would say that on page 20, the National Trust, which is uh, an august and reliable body, point out the, the uh, final paragraph, uh, the layout of the site is not yet known, which is obvious. Of course, it's an outline application. Uh, and on that basis, they objected. Now, we know, because in this chamber we very often turn down planning applications, which decisions which are reversed on appeal. And the key to that, as we all know, uh, is our five-year land supply. If a developer takes an application to appeal and we haven't got a five-year land supply, then it's almost a rubber-stamping exercise to get it consented. But we don't know what will happen in the future, Chairman. We really don't know what's going to happen in the future. And it would probably take the best part of a year to get this to appeal. So if we turned it down today, yes, the policy of developers in general, and this one uh, would, in, in particular, is always go to appeal. It's, it's part of the business plan. Uh, it's just an irritation if it's turned down. Go to appeal and it will be granted. But we don't know what our land supply will be in six months or a year's time. And by then, we'll have passed through Brexit, whatever it is, and everything might be different. So I'm mindful of supporting the refusal of this plan at this moment. We've, it's consistent with everything we've done in the past, and I think we need to be consistent. It's development in the countryside, as far as I'm concerned, that is sufficient reason. Okay, anybody else? Before I have my say, Robert. Mr Chairman, I'd just like to say I'm not going to waste too much of your time. Uh, I do not wish to see the rural character of the district changed altogether. Uh, I cannot see any reason in here why we shouldn't refuse it again as we did before. There are no, to me, no substantial reasons why we should approve it, so I shall be voting against it. Thank you, Mr. <coughs> Thank you, Councillor Chambers. Anybody else? Okay. Um, I'll have my two pennyworth now. 
I, I also find this to be a, a link-up. I mean, it's basically linking up the sort of the Takeley Park right the way through to Takeley and then right the way through to Great Canfield. So it basically makes the whole lot contiguous. Um, whether that bridge, bridge is satisfactory with just a 1.58 footpath across it, that means there's absolutely no verge. It's actually brickwork to brickwork. And I just don't find that acceptable either. Um, the fact that the mitigation along the borders then would probably be Armco barrier, I just think the whole thing goes against the grain of the countryside it's set in. So uh, I think I should be joining some of my other members. Um, Councillor Fairhurst, you proposed a rejection. Does that find a seconder? Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Councillor Lodge seconding. Uh, I need some reasons. I think it's um, as the previous ones were, but I think it's going to be an S7. I think we mentioned, someone mentioned S8. Um, I think building outside of the, the, the CPW, whatever it's called. It's not in the Z. CPZ, so leave the CPZ it's out. on the edge, isn't it? Um, but I think S7 is primarily, I'm sure I'll be guided by, by Mr. Brown's. I mean, what, what members are basically saying, and, um, and there's merit to what C Councillor Freeman's just said, although I would say it won't necessarily go to appeal in a year, it might go to appeal in six months. Yeah. And, and I would also say that it's not necessarily going to be a rubber stamping issue just because we haven't got a five-year land supply. It's that, back to that tilted balance thing again. So therefore, it, it still needs to be considered on its own merits and the, and the level of harm. What I would, su I would suggest S7. I wouldn't, we included A8 last time, but... It, it, because it's not in the countryside protection zone itself, you can't actually say it's a, But you could say, you could word it in such a way that it's S7, but it has an impact on the, the S8 and the, and the functions of the S8. We can do that. Um, EMV3 is the, was this critical one because I think members were concerned about the, the, the changes to the highway, safety, the highway issues would actually start urbanising that area and loss of trees. So EMV3. I think I would always obviously suggest Gen 6 because that's the one whereby there's an absence of Section 106 and mitigation. Um, and, and, but we also need to make, we, I'll go to Luke on this one. In terms of the impact on the, one of the mitigation packages on this site was, was, was one related to the Hatfield Forest. Mm -hmm. So if this application was refused without that mitigation, it would have an un 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 unacceptable impact on full forest. Maybe Luke can clarify that so when we need well, something. Exactly yeah, so I think, although this application watches its own face on that terms, by approving it, by refusing it, we've got to make sure that will be secured by sex. So, so there's impact on, on, on Hatful Forest. And that, I would leave it at that, to be frank. Yeah. Mr. Chairman, that? exactly, that's exactly. Thank you very much. Okay. So I have a proposal for refusal. And I have a seconder for refusal. All those in favour of a refusal, please show. That's unanimous. Thank you very much. If everybody wants to leave that came for that application. <coughs>
Sorry, Eric. Thank you, Chair. Good afternoon. Um, this is an outline planning application for the um, demolition of the existing buildings on Claypit Farm um, and the erection of 15 dwellings. Uh, all matters are to be reserved except layout and access. Um, I'll just quickly point out where the hang, site hang on a is. Second, Peter. So let's just, uh, just try to work out what's going on next door. Right. Right. Okay. Um, just for uh, reference, um, the site is along Bardfield Road, just past Thaxted Primary School, where the culture park and fire station is. Um, it just skims through the conservation area to the uh, west. Um, the applicant is proposing a 15-dwelling development shaped around a cul-de-sac shaped like a T. Um, like I said, it is outlined, so there are reserved matters regarding, um, for example, de uh, design and appearance. Um, the recommendation is that it's in a sustainable location, and the recommendation is approval. Uh, thank you, Mr McElroy. We have uh, three speakers, and I'll start with Councillor John Freeman. John, you have three min five minutes. Thank you, Mr Chairman, Councillors. I'm actually here today on behalf of um, the Thaxted Parish Pass Partnership, which I'm Chairman. I'm here to speak in objection to the planning application under consideration. This is not because I objected to a redevelopment of the site in my ward, but because of the inaccurate information which has been presented to you in the officer's report recommending approval. This information is sufficiently inaccurate as to warrant the committee's refusal of the application in its current form. In July 2017, an application was submitted to Essex County Council by a great many Thaxted residents requesting the recognition of two public footpaths which run through the application site. The weight of evidence was such that Essex County Council approved the application on the 1st of May this year under Section 53. 2B of the Wildlife and Countryside Act 1981. A definitive map modification order was made by the County Council on the 16th of May. This is a legal recognition that a public footpath exists. A copy of the formal decision to make the order was emailed to the Planning Case Officer on the 4th of May 2018 and a copy of the order itself was formally served on the District Council on the 18th of June 2018. The landowner was of course also formally notified at the same time. Unfortunately, it appears that this information has been misunderstood and thus entirely misrepresented in the case officer report to the planning committee. On page 48 of the report under section 10.1, there is a reference to a representation which is summarised as being a possible right-of-way easement which crosses the application site. This is later discounted as being a material planning consideration under Section 10, S10 1, sorry, S104 when the report states that the possible existence or establishment of easement rights is a matter for the parties concerned and it is not a determining factor in whether or not to grant consent. 
This is a significant misrepresentation of the facts which the Council has been aware of since May 2018. The Planning Officer appears not to recognise the legal order which establishes two public rights of way across the site, apparently believing that the issue relates only to a private easement which is a completely different issue. I myself have walked, walked these paths since the 80s and they are still used by local walkers with their families and dogs today. This planning application in its current design therefore cannot be approved as no account has been taken by the applicant of the public rights of way which have existed across the site for a period of no less than 20 years and reality possibly 50. Thank you Mr Chairman and Councillors. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. Um, I'm going to ask... No, I will let it roll. Right, OK. To be honest, I think that's something that we can... OK, OK. Uh, Mr Cockrell? Yeah, OK. Mr Cockrell, you have three minutes. Could you put the microphone on? Thank you. Yes, um, my name is Will Cockrell, I live in Thaxted. I'm also a member of our footpath maintenance group. Uh, I've had quite a lot of uh, contact with the county uh, over the years about public footpaths and uh, their particular orders. This particular order is uh, for um, a modification to the, uh, to the def definitive map. It, it does need still to be... Uh, Implement, uh, approved by the Secretary of State but uh, the fact that the County Council have made this order indicates that on, they, they feel there is a prima facie case for there being two footpaths over this site um, and as this application seeks to approve the layout as part of the uh, outline permission uh, it ought to take into account the route of these uh, two uh, public rights of way. In my experience of dealing with public rights of way which go through developments that have been given permission, uh, planning permission in the main, it's understandable but incorrect that the applicants think that the permission overrides the public right of way and this has proved expensive and long-winded to put right through making diversion orders. And I feel that uh, you should defer making any decision about the layout of the site until this public right-of-way has been finally determined by the Secretary of State. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Cockrell. Um, we have Terry Frostick. I hope I pronounced that right, Terry. Sorry, Councillor. haven't got that on my paper. You also have uh, three minutes. Thank you, Mr Chairman, Councillors. I'm Terry Frostick, Chairman of Thaxter Parish Council. I'm also speaking on behalf of Thaxter Neighbourhood Plan Group. Claypitt's farm site is considered by the Parish Council and the Thaxter Neighbourhood Planning Group to be suitable for development and has such been put forward in the Thaxter Neighbourhood Plan. This plan is now at an advanced stage. The neighbourhood plan issues regarding this site are that the neighbourhood plan and the parish council are concerned that 
but grateful to the planning officer after prompting about um, including some extra evidence. So whilst, some, whilst that supplementary advice refers the first time to paragraph 48 of the National Policy Planning Framework, it fails to deal with the effect of paragraph 50. Paragraph 48 states that the weight should be given to the neighbourhood plan as the Thatcher neighbourhood plan now has been examined and is at 95% through the process. So 95% weight should be given. The effect of paragraph 50 is thought more significant here, especially stated that the prematurity can be a reason for refusal in circumstances where a plan has gone through its publicity period. The publicity period for the neighbourhood plan ended on the 19th of June. No mention is made in the officer's report of the effect of Part 1 of the Neighbourhood Planning Act 2017. This states specifically that local planning authorities must have regard to the neighbourhood plan as soon as this, this has been examined and not wait until it's been adopted. The Thaxter Neighbourhood Plan expressly states that there are significant sensitivities surrounding development on this site, particularly in relation to the impact on the listed Claypitts farmhouse, the impact on the conservation area and road safety. These cannot simply be dismissed as the officer's supplementary report does, as not being material. There are major considerations. All these issues could be dealt with by way of an alternative access. The current proposal for access is currently in the conservation area, brings out traffic in front of the listed buildings, brings traffic out in front of the school. The neighbourhood plan indicates that the parish council would be pleased to talk about an alternative access over its land, but to date there has been a refusal on the part of the developers to talk to it. The Parish, Council has, the Parish Council has not had any meaningful discussions with the developer except for a um, one-off meeting with the Neighbourhood Plan Group and an informal chat with myself as Chairman, although we've told the developer we would like to. The Parish Council can find no evidence of any public consultation being carried out which is contrary to the MPPF. This says that Applicants will be expected to work closely with those directly affected by their proposals to evolve designs and to take account of the views of the community. The community would like to see some form of high quality green space at this end of Thaxted as it has no green open space for children to play on. The original landowner in discussions with the Parish Council did actually offer a small playing field as part of an application on this site which generated the whole thought of the neighbourhood plan taking this site forward and that was one of the main reasons we said it was a good site. It would give the school somewhere to play. Also, there needs to be some cycle and pedestrian routes put into this site to create a healthy alternative to people driving their car down the road into the town. I'm sure there's several MPPF policies that apply to this, and I'm not going to go into those here. The proposed access arrangements rely on sight lines being taken over Parish Council's land. The Parish Council are not prepared to allow this land to be used in this way, in which case the proposed development cannot be implemented as stated in the Essex Highways report and confirmed in the Planning Officer's report. The Parish Council has received no notice under land ownership certificate process and as such the application is probably invalid. Details of land ownership have been provided to the Uttlesford District Council in May and they are registered on the application site. The Parish Council would also like to say it disagrees with the applicant seeking no social housing due to certain policies which may allow it to happen. The site was used for local business and created local employment and it is believed that it will still continue to do so and manage effectively. Can I However, get you to wind up? Yeah. Yeah, it is a good site for sympathetically designed housing with some affordable um, element. <coughs> the Parish Council asks that access arrangements are, as we say, reserved matters. I don't know if that's the right, correct term, taken back as reserved matters and not 
just signed off at this meeting, if it is passed. And the design be in approvance with the neighbourhood plan, the Thaxted design statement, and to be sympathetic with that of Thaxted. And we have an open green space in that area, along with some social housing. Thank you, Chairman and Councillors, for listening. Thank you, Mr Frostick. Um, Hazel Izod, if I pronounce that right, I do apologise. Izod, 50-50 chance. Uh, you've got nine minutes, Hazel. Thank you. You'll be pleased to know I won't be using up nine minutes. Um, thank you. I'm speaking today on behalf of the applicant in support of this proposal. This is a brownfield site comprising a number of vacant commercial and former agricultural buildings. Although the site lies outside the defined village boundary, it is specified on the council's brownfield register and is allocated for housing in the emerging neighbourhood plan. The site is also well located in relation to the village and represents a sustainable form of development. The application is an outline form with all matters reserved except for access and layout. Layout was originally a reserved matter, but the scheme has been amended to take account of concerns raised during consultation, and therefore the layout has now been fixed. The amendments include a reduction by one unit from 16 to 15, enhanced planting, a relocation of parking spaces to ensure they do not dominate the site, a rotation of the turning head and <clears throat> removal of long terraced rows. A high quality design is now proposed with a significant amount of planting that can be secured at reserve matter stage. Only the very northwest corner of the site is located in the conservation area and there is one grade two listed building located to the southwest. As stated by the conservation officer, a good quality redevelopment of the site will improve views from the conservation area and the setting of the farmhouse. Although they raise concerns over parking, the entrance to the site is not dominated by parking. There are three visitor bays located over 100 metres into the site, surrounded by planting which can be controlled at reserve matters stage. Beyond this are four parking spaces for plots 14 and 15, which are set back from the road and again well screened by landscaping. The parking spaces are large but have been designed in accordance with the Essex Design Guide. Conservation have suggested a building as a visual stop at the end of the road rather than a planted amenity area. However, given the curve of the road, the buildings, especially Plot 9, will provide an end stop in longer views. The span of the proposed buildings are commensurate to those in the vicinity of the site and steeply pitched roofs can be included at the reserve matters stage as suggested by the Conservation Officer. In respect of access, highway reports demonstrate that no harm would arise to highway safety or the local highway network and no objection has been raised by Essex Highways subject to conditions as recommended in your officer's report. Thaxted Parish Council comment that they own land to the east of the access that falls within the required visibility splay and would not give their consent for the land to remain free of obstruction. It may well be the case that they own the subsoil of this land, but the surface of the land, the top two spits as set out in established case law, fall within the adopted highway boundary, and Essex Highway's boundary plans confirm this. The required visibility splays are therefore achievable. Members will note that no affordable housing is proposed in this case as a result of vacant building credits, but this is clearly explained in your officer's report. In respect of the emerging Thaxted neighbourhood plan, this has now been subject to examination, with the examiner's findings released on Monday, recommending that the plan can proceed to a referendum subject to significant amendments. This has been summarised to you as a supplementary representation, but the findings have not yet been made fully public publicly available. Nonetheless, it is noted that the examiner has agreed that the application site is suitable for development and the cap of 15 dwellings and a need for 50% of the houses to be one and two beds was not justified. Any requirement for bungalows can be considered at the reserve matter stage. 
Finally, as members have heard, an order has been made for a claimed public footpath across the site, but this has not yet been confirmed as an objection has been lodged. The claim will now be subject to an inquiry by, by the planning inspectorate, but no date has yet been set, and timescales suggest a decision is unlikely to be forthcoming until at least April 2019. Whilst Circular 109 advises that public rights of way can be a material planning consideration, in this case the claimed footpath is subject to unresolved objections, has not yet been confirmed and is still subject to examination by the planning inspectorate. Circular 109 makes it clear that a planning condition requiring any stopping up or diversion of a right of way is unnecessary as it duplicates separate statutory procedures. The legislation also makes it clear that the costs associated with the legal process of any subsequent public path order are the responsibility of the developer. If the order is confirmed, then the applicant is aware that he will either need to amend the layout through a further planning application or apply to divert the footpath. In summary, therefore, no objections have been received from statutory consultees. This is a vacant brownfield site clearly in need of redeveloping, and this is acknowledged in the Emerging Neighbourhood Plan and Brownfield Register. The proposal will not only contribute to housing need, but a high-quality development here will also enhance the setting of heritage assets. No adverse impacts have been identified that would significantly and demonstrably outweigh the benefits, and therefore the presumption in favour of sustainable development applies. Full details of scale, appearance and landscaping can be controlled through a reserve matters application. Members are therefore respectfully requested to support their officer's recommendation for approval. And on a final note, I just wanted to point out that condition one should be corrected as it refers to a full permission rather than an outline with a condition also required for submission of reserve matters. But thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, uh, I, think, I think we'll start with um, a clarification of where we are with the footpath. Yeah, sorry, we seem to be sharing. Um, just to Peter, would you, Peter, Peter could do this. Peter's got an up to date situation, and, if, and I can clarify the situation in terms of the planning I did ask um, the legal executive in charge of uh, preparing the order what the progress was. Um, it hasn't been submitted. Um, the order uh, would be supported by evidence of public use over 20 years by 36 witnesses. Um, she can't at this stage predict what the outcome might be or when a decision might be expected. Um, all that she's able to say is that the inquiry when it's arranged is likely to last for two days. Um, if you just permit me for one second, the public right way will go roughly like this. Can you do that again? Can you do it? Sorry. I feel like a Can you one see? Can you use the cursor? Okay. Around the guy. And uh, basically, um, come out to the east of Appledore, which is the far eastern property. It's just managed to be squeezed in to the uh, map, as you can see. Uh, yep, Nigel. And, and I think the, the agent put it quite succinctly. It's two completely different pieces of legislation. And uh, so therefore, and it's, always, it's the ultimate chicken and egg situation in terms of footpaths and stopping up highways, in terms of you, can't, you, you have to do them both, but there's no set order in which order you do them. So regardless of whether this gets confirmed or not, if this is approved, and this, it, this doesn't trump the public right-of-way issue. So members approve this today, and the public right-of-way gets confirmed from inquiry, 
then they can't implement that planning permission because it doesn't trump it. So therefore it would have to be diverted. But ironically, if they did it the other way around and asked for it, this public right-of-way to be diverted, there's no reason to divert it because why would you divert a footpath? So you have to do both things at the same t different times and they work complete legislation and neither compromises the other. In fact, you could argue that the, the, the footpath compromises the planning permission, the planning permission doesn't compromise. But all that means it affects... Uh, implementation. The same goes regarding the issues regarding the parish council, regarding the fact that if you've got visibilities across the site, regardless of, and I think, um, regardless of whether or not the parish have an impediment, you know, own the piece of the, uh, the visibility display and can prevent it from happening, that doesn't prevent you from approving planning permission today. What I would suggest is that maybe condition three be changed to say, rather than prior to first occupation, prior to development. So you end up with the development gets blocked because there is a problem in terms of demonstrating this visibility display rather than you end up with completed houses and then you have an argument over visibility display. But the gift is within the parish if they have the land ownership over that particular point, if they have the ownership over those issues. So both are issues that make the implementation of the planning permission a bit messy but aren't really something that members really should be worrying about in terms of determining the planning application. Can I just clarify something? So uh, while we wait until possibly May 19 for the determination of the footpath issue, can development start or not? If the development starts no. on the houses are built, how do we then get round, you know, how do we get round the footpath issue? I think that I think the, the current footpath issue doesn't prevent you from approving planning permission, but I think it could be an impediment to actually them implementing the planning permission. So they can't start? I don't think they can start. Right, that's what I wanted to clarify. Sorry, um, Mr. Brown, can you just, you said, I don't think they could start. I'd like to know, can they or can't they start? Because I'm, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with this footpath issue. Sorry, but, um, you know, these things are important to, to the, parishes. The, the issue is the developer would not start because there's this argument about a footpath going through, potentially going through some of the houses. So if they develop to houses and the footpath gets confirmed, that would cause serious expense and risk for the developer. So the developer would not start until that particular part of the development, if the bit, the bit that's affected by the footpath, because you could end up ultimately have a house being built with a footpath going over the middle of it and the footpath trumps it. So that, there's a risk issue in terms of doing it. So they wouldn't. Okay. Um, I am... A, a little bit uncomfortable with this because I'm not totally familiar with the site although I've looked at all the um, information I'm, I'm assuming that the parish council and the local plan group are happy with development on this site subject to their issues they've raised today which they can obviously deal with and also the footpath is obviously key to those people which I, I'll take your assurances but the affordable housing whilst I realise there is this um, vacant building uh, credit or whatever it's called um, I'm, it seems to me that um, 15 properties even if it's a brownfield site but 15 properties in um, Flaxted should be attracting um, an affordable housing contribution I really, you know, I've looked at the um, case but I'm, I'm not convinced and that affordable housing even if it was only one or 
one or two properties. I, I don't see how someone can claim that it's not viable on 15 properties in Thackstead on a brownfield site. Uh, I'll, I'll let Peter clarify it, but I know what you're going to say. I've tried to sort of summarise the position uh, in section J on page 55 of the report. Um, this whole thing about vacant building credits seemed to be a bit up in the air until the new National Plan and Policy Framework um, was uh, published last month, where this idea of the vacant building credit is now sort of like cemented into the framework. And I think we are going to see a lot more um, applicants uh, arguing that they don't need um, to make a provision for affordable housing despite the fact that it's very much needed in the area simply because of the um, sort of um, provision the government now uh, allows um, applicants to make. Um, we have checked the agents' figures, um, both myself and a colleague, and essentially the arguments set out in um, Section J do apply. Um, I mean, I can explain it if you want. It is set out there, but I am happy to talk through it a little bit more if you want. Well, it's, it's, it's not, obviously yeah. I've read Section J, and as you say, there's an, a, an attachment to it, but to, to me it would appear that these, um, the uh, applicants on this site are making sure they don't have to deliver any affordable housing, and I just think that's important. I'd have a lot more sympathy for them I, I, if they were honourable. Yeah, I don't think you can say that. No. I, you know, as housing officer, I completely understand where you're yeah. coming from. Normally we'd get 40%, so normally we'd be looking at six affordable yeah. units, and we're not getting them here, and we're getting them because of a loophole, to a certain extent. But, I but a loophole that has now been ratified in the NPPF, right. right. and therefore we can't do anything no. about I that. I thought they had to deliver a fifth of the, um, the number that they were expected, if we went for the full 40%, no, I thought they had to deliver a fifth of that. That's because of the example that you ran for on 10.36, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was just an example I gave. Where the, um, the floor space of the buildings are to be removed is greater than the floor space of the development then there's no requirement to provide affordable housing through this vacant building credit. I'm not unsympathetic to your arguments. However, it's like I said, this has now been set in stone in the National Plan and Policy Framework, and it is something, like I said, I think we, you're going to see a lot more. So a policy that was developed to deal with contaminated yeah. sites, difficult sites, because there was so much infrastructure cost to bring them forward, was created and has now become set in stone. And, yeah, petrol stations, all of that sort of thing, I get it, but not something necessarily like this. Okay? Yeah, take your point. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, I don't have the capacious knowledge of Uttersford that some people have uh, in this chamber, um, and I would actually like to go and visit this site. I think we could make a much better decision on that basis. That was all I wanted to suggest, is that we... I think we drove past it today, but I didn't really... We didn't stop. Uh, well, we could have driven past it today. So I would just like to pay a visit. I, I, I know Thaxi, but I don't know this particular site. 
I'll see how we go as we talk around. Um, I, I don't think it's going to change the material facts that we've got in front of us and allow us, therefore, not to make a decision or to make a decision. So, anybody else? Councillor Hicks and then Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm, I think I'm correct in saying this, was, um, this site was included in Regulation 19 Submission Plan. Uh, yes, that's right. Um, that's correct, and it's a brownfield site, so it seems to me that a brownfield site in our present state of uh, uh, the land, housing land supply that we have, I think we'd be foolish to turn, try and turn this down. I think it's uh, uh, something that should go forward, and um, I would so propose, Chairman. Proposal noted. I'll come back to you with that, Eric. Uh, Councillor Farthing and then <coughs> Councillor Fairhurst. put Councillor Freeman's uh, mind at rest and uh, Councillor Redfern's. I have walked past the site. In actual fact, it does look uh, a real eyesore at the moment. I think it would be greatly enhanced by development uh, on the understanding that you know, the footpath issue, if there is one, will be resolved before it's developed. Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman. I, I don't know what we're doing here. The... the the decision here is to, is to agree to what seems to be a very, very in, interesting and elegant site. It's brown free. We all like that. Um, and uh, the Conservation Office has a couple of questions which I'm sure we can address in the, at the next stage. But there is an issue of the footpath. What we say is it will be fine on the night. Um, we don't need to do that. I'm proposing we defer. We defer. That gives us a chance to actually see. I haven't seen the site either. I don't like making decisions based on, on photographs. Um, I'd rather see the site. And, and so I'm asking for a deferment, if you don't mind. You can speak? No. Okay. Uh, um, okay, I've had two requests for a deferment. I'm not sure that actually looking at it will make any difference to the facts in front of us. Um, I think as Councillor Hicks, for me, all right, speaking as myself, the way he has summarised it I think is correct. I think it is a brownfield site. It is ironically in the neighbourhood plan for Thaxted, um, whereby they are supporting it as a development, um, but they were supporting it with a development that perhaps would bring 50% affordable forward, and I think that's going to be challenged uh, through the inspectorate. So um, we know we're not going to get the affordable because of the loophole. I'd love to be able to sit down with the developer and say, look, we'll let this go if we get sort of five, four bungalows or something like that, and then it actually sort of satisfies everybody, but I'm not allowed to do that. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to vote on the deferral uh, just to see if everybody else wants to go and have a look at it before we make a decision. So I'm going to ask everybody to show in favour of a deferral to view the site. All right, we did, but then that, that... Can I flip that? Right, I'm going to flip it, OK? Uh, I want to vote on a deferral, OK? Can or can't? Yeah, OK. I'm going to vote on a deferral, which you proposed, yeah? Point of order, Mr Chairman. I thought a proposal yeah. for approval Trust you to bring that um, to the fore. once made uh, takes precedence over any subsequent propositions. Oh, thank you very much, Robert. Okay. Where am I? But I did ask him to set it aside. 
Point of order, Mr. Chairman. <coughs> we have a precedent. You did the same to me and you came back to me with an asked for a concrete, concrete proposal. We have to rule in the same way as you did previously, I'm afraid. I'm going I'm to rule it that you did make a proposal for a deferral, okay? And that I have got a seconder for that. So all those in favour of deferral, please show. Right, I only have three. That is refused. All those against the deferral, please show. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. So that is refused. I have a proposal on the table for an approval. Does that find a seconder? It does. It does. Right, I have a proposal and a seconder for an approval. Please show. Those in favour of an approval. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Those against, please show. One, two, three. That item is approved. Thank you very much. Mr Chair, could we have a short break?
Hang on. Thanks very much. Okay, UTT 180386, full application, Great Chalks in Hatfield Broadoak. Madeline Jones to take us through it. Maddie, when you're ready. Thank you, Chair. This application relates to the first site that the committee members visited this morning in Hatfield Broadoak. The site consists of a substantial three-storey detached dwelling with a detached stable block to the side and some outbuildings in the grounds. The site is located to the south of the High Street and has a large rear garden to the rear, which has several trees to its boundaries and throughout. There is an existing vehicle access point into the site from the High Street. The entrance is gated and either side of the gates is a red brick wall. Immediately to the front of the house is a hedge and metal railings. The site, which is 1.43 hectares in size, is within the development limits of Hatful Broad Oak and the front of the site is within the conservation area. The western boundary is adjacent to the conservation area and the site, under the 2005 adopted local plan, is identified... Sorry, the site... Yeah, the site, under the 2005 adopted local plan, is identified as protected open space of environmental value. It should be noted that under the Regulation 19 Draft Local Plan, it is proposed to remove this designation. Properties along KGN backing onto the site and properties along the High Street, as shown in blue on the plan, are listed buildings. Great Chalks itself is not listed. However, Great Chalks has been included within the Draft Local Heritage List document that has recently been out for consultation until the 4th of July. The document states that the railings and walls to the front boundary of Great Chalks are of particular interest. This shows the existing site. The trees on the site are protected by a tree preservation order with an area designation. No individual trees or groups of trees are specifically identified in the order. The proposal is for demolition of outbuilds in the erection Erection of eight detached dwellings, including one bungalow and a four-bay cart lodge. The frontage gates and brick wall, either side of the gates, would be demolished. The attached single-storey boiler house to the side of the house, with greenhouse to the rear, would also be demolished. The proposal has been subject to pre-application advice and taken into account. The comments made from consultees and representations received has been revised several times. The number of housing reduced, the electric gates and entrance gates have been removed and additional parking provided. The proposal also includes six parking spaces for visitors and the public. Only two are required for the size of the, site, of the development and the applicant has confirmed that they would make a financial contribution of 486000 for affordable housing in lieu of provision. There have been 104 representations objecting to the proposal and a signed petition signed by 179 residents also objecting to the proposal. The Conservation Officer and the Parish Council have also objected to the proposal as set out in my report. This slide shows the existing proposed access. The gates shown have been removed from the proposal. Due to the historic nature of Hatful Broad Oak, a number of properties along the High Street do not have off-street parking and rely upon parking in the highway and pavements. There are significant existing parking and highway issues and limited scope to improve them. 
Four additional parking spaces for public use would be provided and two visitor parking spaces provided as part of the proposal. As part of the proposal, the railings to the frontage would be retained. However, the wall between the stable block and the entrance gates, the gates themselves and the brick pillars are to be removed in response to highway comments. The proposal relates to the erection of eight dwellings with a mix of two, four and five bedroom units. One of the units is a two bedroom bungalow. This would be located in plot one, replacing the existing single storey outbuilding. Housing density is low at 6.3 dwellings. Each plot has adequate private amenity space to accord with the requirements of the Essex Design Guide. A landscape buffer has also been incorporated into the design to protect the wildlife on the site. New planting is proposed along rear and eastern boundaries. An orchard would also be planted to the east of plot four. Each property meets the required parking standards with some large properties exceeding the requirement. There would be six unallocated parking spaces within the development to provide visitor parking and additional parking for Hatfield Broad Oak residents. This shows the trees to that would remain on the site. Um, trees to remove circling are, are circled in red. 24 trees and the trees in the orchard are to be removed. The majority of the existing trees, including all of those assessed as being of high quality, are to be retained as part of the proposed development. The following slide shows some photos of the site. This is Great Chalks, that's the existing access. Um, these are photos provided showing the existing highway issues. That's view to the east along the high street and to the west along the high street. That's an aerial view of the site. And these just show the proposed elevations of the proposed dwellings. So in summary, set out in my report, the site is located within development limits of Hatfield Broad Oak. The principle of residential development at this site is acceptable, having regard to sustainability development aims and objectives flood risk, countryside protection, infill and backland development. The design is considered to be broadly in keeping with the character of the village and adjacent conservation area, maintaining the public open space in the centre of the site. It has been designed to protect the character and setting of the adjacent listed buildings and will have no material detrimental impact on neighbours' amenity. Means of access is considered acceptable and the proposal would not be harmful to protected or priority species subject to recommended mitigation and compensation measures being conditioned and implemented and appropriate licenses being granted. The applicant has agreed to pay a financial contribution respect to affordable housing which would be secured by a section 106 agreement. It is not considered likely that the proposal of this scale would result in unacceptable air quality issues. The proposal is recommended approval subject to Section 106 in respect to financial contributions for affordable housing and the conditions listed. If necessary, the applicant has also agreed that an additional obligation could be added to the Section 106 in respect of provision and ongoing maintenance of the public open space and the public parking spaces.
Thank you, Mrs Jones. Um, we have five speakers. Uh, starting with Councillor Jones, who I think is speaking on behalf of Councillor Artis. Uh, just before you start, Derek, Julie, did you want to relocate your chair? It appears that you are a... You sure? Okay, sorry, Derek. Sometimes on the right it's, chair. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, I'm aware she's sitting in a beacon of light. Councillor Jones. Good afternoon, Chairman, Committee Members. Uh, yes, just to reiterate, I am speaking, in effect, a text prepared by Councillor Keith Artis, who sadly is unable to be with you today. He says, um, I speak today as proxy for him, who he, he much regrets not being able to be here to defend the village of Hatfield Broadek. There is something deeply troubling about this application and the treatment of this site itself. Firstly, and correctly, it is clear that Uttlesford, Uttlesford's own assessment of Hatfield Broadoak confirms Great Chalks as a protected open space in the 2005 local plan. The plan inspector further considered the site worthy of protection under policy ENV3. Question, does the recommendation before you ignore this important protection? Secondly, and correctly, in the Draft Conservation Area Appraisal of 2012, the site of Great Chalks was recommended for inclusion in the conservation area, adding, the entirety of open space does not have to be visible from public viewpoints. However, when the draft was reissued in 2013 for Cabinet approval, it omitted the recommendation to include Great Chalks in the conservation area and failed to mention this omission in the accompanying report, so Cabinet were unaware of the original recommendation. The only reference was in a schedule of consultation response document, sorry, comments, where the report clearly states that officers considered the designation as a protected open space of environmental value, provided sufficient protection for this site. Does the recommendation before you ignore this important protection? Thirdly, UDC's conservation officer states that conservation-related issues have not been overcome. Does the recommendation before you ignore this important protection? The case officer herself said in 2013 pre-app advice that development clearly presents some issues in planning terms. It would need to be demonstrated that the need for development outweighs the amenity value of the loss of open space. Does the recommendation before you ignore this important consideration? In addition, other speakers today will reiterate the dreadful traffic implications of this proposal, plus other key factors that can only conclude the development is unsustainable. As I said, this whole saga is troubling. Ever since I have been a parish and district councillor for some 16 years, we have sought to protect Great Chalks from development. It is a wonderful green and open space in the heart of our village. The development limit for Hatfield Broadoak does indeed include all of its centre. However, with the protections afforded to this site, one should consider the development limit as a mint with a hole. 
the whole being the open space that is great chalks. The proposal is further troubling in that it represents a backland development that this committee is so against. Indeed, it was a key issue in the recent Cheppingfield application in Hatfield Broadoak the committee visited and considered last month. It is troubling in that it is also a land grab as it is yet more open space trying to be gobbled up for speculative development. Whilst not a planning issue, it is also troubling that out of the 17 different companies the applicant is or was a director of, the applicant has resigned from three, two have been dissolved, three have gone into liquidation, those being Foley Homes, Foxley Builders and Foxley Prestige Homes. It is also troubling that the applicant has a long enforcement file at this council, mostly for non-compliance with permissions or conditions, which usually result in retrospective applications. Prosecutions have also been considered. It is said by a planning officer that the applicant shows a disregard for the planning process, a case of officers holding their noses perhaps. I must admit to have failed to get an update from UDC's enforcement team on this applicant's performance and have been asking since June 2017. I've then omitted a bit. It is also troubling that the applicant has already been advertising the houses for sale on his website for six months or more. Very presumptuous indeed and taking this committee's approval for granted. I said the application was deeply troubling but so is the recommendation. The officer report seems to indicate all the way through that a refusal is inevitable but then has a complete volt fast in the tail. The rationale I cannot understand as there is so much against everything about this application. The proposal before you is unwanted as proved by 190 signature, uh, 179 signatures objecting. Unwarranted provides no benefit to Hatfield Broadoak, will cause unprecedented traffic chaos and result in the loss of our only protected open space in the heart of the village. Can I get you to wrap As up now, please? I have a couple of more paragraphs, Chairman. Uh, pray see them down, please. Sorry? I can. As with the Springfield application, to quote the last planning committee minutes, this development fails to represent a sustainable form of development when assessed against the policies of the MPPF. Taken as a whole, the adverse impact of the proposal would significantly and demonstrably outweigh any, benefit, any benefits of the proposal, where paragraph 8 of the framework states that the three interdependent strands of sustainable development need to be pursued in mutually supportive ways where this would not be the case with the submitted proposal. UDC, the planning inspector, Paris Council, district councillors, residents and this committee's recent nearby decision all indicate this application should be refused in the strongest of terms. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, members. Point of order, Mr Chairman. Yeah, I, I'm going to pick up a few issues here. Um, I think uh, I'm aware that you're reading on behalf of somebody else, Councillor Jones, but some of the statements in there are not really relevant to this planning application and therefore shouldn't really be aired in public. Um, I, I think we just have to be very careful of some of the uh, items that we say or that are bringing into the public domain. 
uh, I appreciate the position you're in. Thank you. Is that on? Right. Uh, good afternoon and uh, thank you very much for giving me the chance to speak. Uh, my name is Mike Dow and I have lived at Post House, which is four doors down from Great Chalks, um, for the last 27 years. In this time, the volume of traffic and parked cars have substantially increased to the point where safe access on and off the high street is now near impossible and where at evenings and weekends there can be nowhere to park. The creation of, in effect, a road into Great Chalks will remove some of this already limited street parking and potentially create an access black spot in this narrowest part of the high street with 40 plus vehicles running in and out of this scheme. It is already common practice for cars to be parked either fully or partially on the pavement as drivers strive not to block the road and to avoid their vehicles being damaged by passing traffic. This in turn severely restricts the sight lines up and down the high street and safe access as I know from my own experience. I have a drive that provides access onto Cage End and with cars parked either side it is impossible to pull out safely without somebody stood in the road to give the all clear. Added to this, large commercial vehicles use the high street constantly as a cut through from Takeley to Hatfield Heath and also the sausage factory in the village. With two of these vehicles converging, the high street can become impassable and gridlocked, particularly at this narrowest point. A problem made significantly worse when parents are parking outside the school and back along the high street to drop off their children and pick them up from school. The current parking, plus the additional pressure from this proposed development and the formation of an access road creates yet another barrier to pedestrians. As it is, we sometimes have to walk in the road, an unthinkable situation for mums with toddlers and pushchairs on their way to the village school. This proposed plan for the rear garden of Great Chalks, Great Chalks is a commercial development that will exasperate an already difficult parking situation reducing the current available road parking spaces whilst also creating increased demand for parking. It will further endanger the safe passage of pedestrians and will create a dangerous access black spot of far greater impact than the proposal for Cheppingfield, an application which was recently refused. I ask you to please reject this planning proposal. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr Dowell. Uh, Arlise Walker, again I hope I pronounced it right, Arlise, you have three minutes. Thank you can you. sit down, it's easier. Okay. Hi, my name's Arlise Walker. I live in Brick House on the High Street next door to Great Chalks. Brick House will be affected on three sides by this development, by loss of existing parking spaces at the front, by the road and garage block running down the eastern boundary, and by plot one runs the entire length um, width of our and the neighbour's garden to the south. But it's not just Brick House that will be affected. 
about 30 gardens back onto Great Chalks, the majority of which are in the conservation area and contain listed buildings. Like many who live in a listed building, I don't see myself as an owner, but rather as a guardian, a caretaker. And as a caretaker, it's my duty to take care, not just of Brick House, the building, but the setting in which it sits. Destroying a protected open space, land that has been protected for decades, replacing it with a built development on a large scale, with attendant noise and light, will completely alter the setting right at the heart of this historic village. And with over 200 trees to be felled, not 24 as mentioned in the report, but 200, including over 150 in the orchard, our conservation area and listed buildings will have their backdrop changed from tree canopy to roof lines. The designs are very large. These houses will be visible. According to Conservation Officer Barbara Bosworth, they will assume an air of prominence. In other words, their scale threatens to overwhelm neighbouring properties. Take plot one, described as a two-bed bungalow. It's 20% longer than Great Chalk's main house, which you saw this morning. And as high as our houses on the southern edge of the high street with their three habitable floors. If that's a bungalow, think how large the four and five bedroom houses will be. ENV2 states development affecting listed buildings should be in keeping with the scale, character and surroundings. Again, to quote Barbara Bosworth from the 9th of August, this development will provide an unsatisfactory urban backdrop to the listed cottages facing the historic streets. Contrary to EMV1, this development will not preserve or enhance the essential features of our conservation area, but will affect the setting of our historic buildings and curtilages. This is inappropriate backyard development. It will forever change the nature of this historic centre in this beautiful and important village. As you will have seen this morning, this historic village is already under pressure from increasingly busy roads. Adding an urban backdrop behind Cage End and High Street right at the centre and taking away the trees will forever change it. Development like this can never be undone. So please, take care to make the right decision today. Please vote to refuse this application. Thank you. Right, good afternoon. My name's Stephen Barrett. Um, I've lived in the village for 22 years and my, my five sons have uh, grown up in uh, Hatfield Broad Oak. I'm going to talk to conservation and ecology. Um, I'm not an expert um, and I recognise there's going to be some uh, repetition of what you've heard. Nevertheless, I sort of looked at this and I thought it was all relatively simple, in fact, because the application um, simply doesn't meet any of the tests, um, which I won't uh, repeat because you'll be intimately familiar with you, which are set out in the policies ENV3, ENV7, Gen7 and ENV1. 
I'm going to try and base uh, my comments on evidence and facts um, and uh, try and keep at bay my sort of natural emotion in this subject. So firstly on policy ENV3, which is all about open spaces and, uh, and trees, um, well, as we've heard, the site is a protected open space of environmental value and it's crystal clear that the proposed development eliminates that open space um, and it also eliminates a significant number of magnificent ancient trees. I read the commentary uh, that has been prepared for this particular uh, policy uh, in which it said that it that even sycamore saplings, clusters of sycamore saplings, uh, might uh, cause the removal of, of such uh, trees, might cause a, an application to fail. And we are sort of like a million miles away from that. So my conclusion is that this test is, the test for this policy is simply not met. It's also just worth remembering, actually, and I found a some stuff in the press which uh, is really interesting about trees in Essex uh, and trees the, the, the national average for trees in this country is 13% Essex is 6.6% so my observation is that we should be planting and not felling so secondly moving on to policies ENV7 and, and Gen7 which is all about protection of the national environment um, and I want to focus on ecology here which is the relationship of organisms to one another and the physical surroundings in which they uh, inhabit themselves. And all the evidence here is that this development, if it proceeds, will have a tragic impact on, uh, on ecology within the site. This site houses active badgers, contains many badger sets. Uh, there are great crested newts owls and snakes uh, and, and these are just undeniable facts many of uh, these uh, beautiful creatures will be very significantly affected if not eliminated if this development uh, proceeds so again in conclusion my conclusion is that this test is just not met and I also again in, in the paper just happened to pick something up, which is not difficult to miss actually, uh, about badgers and the penalties uh, that are potentially out there for those that infringe the legally protected rights of badgers and badger sets. Six months imprisonment and unlimited fines. It's just sort of worth bearing in mind, it's something that I would say there. Thirdly and finally, and we've already heard something on this, but it's Policy ENV1, which is all about design and development within conservation areas. Now, as we heard, part of this site is within a conservation area. And it is worth just remembering that it does also abut a conservation area um, and is surrounded by beautiful listed historic buildings. So this test is relevant. It really is relevant. I think it's very important that we do not lose sight of the fact that just because a, uh, the majority of the site may not be within a conservation area, some of it is. Uh, and so this test is really relevant. And we're talking here about preserving and enhancing the character and appearance 
uh, of a conservation area. A development of this magnitude, in my very humble and amateur opinion, simply cannot meet the test for this policy to be satisfied. It's impossible, it seems to me. The proposal is for enormous properties that will dwarf the ancient surroundings and the surrounding listed buildings, as well as eliminating a vast number... Are you just wrapping up, yeah? Yeah, I am. Good. A vast number of really grand trees. Um, If allowed to proceed, the site itself will become the focal point of the village. Um, It will be what visitors and residents will instantly recall when they think of our village and remark to themselves, what a shame. So in conclusion, I don't think any of these tests are met. And in conclusion, I think that it must be right and proper and appropriate for the application to be rejected. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Barrett. And the final objector, um, Salvatore Amico, if I've got it right. I'm sorry. You're being challenged with names this afternoon. I'm sorry. I should get yours right. Spot on. (laughs) I'm a solicitor who specialises in planning law. We have carried out an assessment of the proposed development and it is our submission that the proposal before the local authority is not acceptable in planning terms. The proposed development is located within the development limits of Hatfield Broadoak. Policy S3 of the Uttlesford Local Plan states that development compatible with the settlement's character and countryside setting will be permitted within the boundary set. The proposed development will introduce significant built development on a large scale onto a site where none currently exists. The proposed development is contrary to policy S3 as it is not compatible with the settlement's character and countryside setting. Part of the site is within a conservation area and indeed the boundary of the site on two sides abuts the conservation area. Whilst Great Chalks is not listed itself, many properties opposite and to either side of the site are. It is important that the development pressures on the district are managed in ways that enable the built environment to be protected and enhanced and inappropriate development to be avoided. Policy ENV1 refers specifically to the design of development within conservation areas. Development will be permitted where it preserves or enhances the character and appearance of the essential features of the conservation area. Development affecting listed buildings should be in keeping with its scale, character and surroundings. Policy ENV3 relates specifically to open spaces and trees and states that the loss of traditional open spaces and other visually important spaces will not be permitted unless the need for the development outweighs their amenity value. The proposed development does not result in a limited loss of open space but a complete wipeout of it. The site is currently designated as a protected open space with environmental value, although the emerging plan removes the site from the allocation that is of limited weight. The proposal will lead to a change in the character of the locality for one of established open space and replacing it with an overdeveloped site. Policy H3 relates to new houses. This is said to be permitted on land within the development limits of Hatfield Broadoak if the development would be compatible with the character of the settlement. As assessed above, the proposed development would not be compatible with the character of the settlement and therefore contravenes policy H3 of the local plan. 
Policy Gen 1 relates specifically to access to new developments. Developments will only be permitted if the traffic generated by the development is capable of being accommodated on the surrounding transport network. The current situation in relation to parking on the high street is already intolerable. The proposed development will only exacerbate this situation further. In conclusion, therefore, it is our view that development does not comply with the aims and objectives of the policies contained within the local plan and the principles set out in the national policy framework. Thank you, Mr. Amico. Right on time. Um, Mr. Paul Cavill, on behalf of the agent. And you have uh, five, three, 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 twelve, seventeen minutes. You won't need that, will you? No. Thank you, Chairman. As you've already heard, this planning application has been recommended for approval by the case officer, and we fully support the conclusion reached at the end of her report. Although a number of local residents have raised concerns in respect of on-street parking, highway safety, ecology and landscaping, no objections have been raised by Essex County Highways, Essex County Ecology or the District Council's Landscape Officer. Notwithstanding the lack of any objection from Essex County Highways, the applicant has still responded to the concerns of local residents by including six unallocated parking spaces within the site for the use of Hatfield Broadoak residents and visitors. The applicant also engaged with the local community in March of this year and in response to comments made by the residents of the High Street properties backing onto the site, the height and volume of the proposed bungalow on plot 1 were both reduced. It is acknowledged that the site is currently identified in the adopted local plan as an open space of environmental value. However, the emerging local plan proposes to remove this designation. This decision has been made in response to the Council's strategic land availability assessment, which has identified the site as being available and suitable for residential development, subject to the retention of protected trees and the character of the conservation area being protected. The planning officer has assessed the proposed development in line with these requirements and concluded that the design would be compatible with the scale, form, layout and appearance of surrounding buildings. In addition to this, she considers that the dwellings have been located so as not to block views into the site and across the large central open space from the surrounding conservation area. The planning officer has also noted that most of the mature trees to the site boundaries would be retained, thereby ensuring that views from outside the site would remain largely unchanged. Whilst the site is currently designated as an open space, it is a private garden area that is not publicly accessible. The proposed development would change this by providing a central area of public open space that can be enjoyed by all residents of the village. Although the Conservation Officer has objected to the proposed removal of a wall, three brick piers and a set of entrance gates from the front boundary of the site, these features, which were all rebuilt or replaced in 1997 following an accident, could, could be removed without the need for planning permission. In response to previous concerns raised by the Conservation Officer, a clock tower has been removed from the garage block and a set of gates removed from the main vehicular entrance. These alterations would ensure that the proposed development is sympathetic to the historic character and appearance of the conservation area. It has been noted that outline planning permission for a similar residential scheme at Cheppingfield to the west of Great Chalks was refused at the last planning committee. However, at the same meeting, planning permission was approved at Oakbourne to the east for the erection of seven dwellings in place of an existing house. The refusal at Cheppingfield has therefore not created a precedent for the village as the committee has clearly adopted the correct approach of considering each site on its own merits. 
Overall, it is considered that the proposal constitutes an appropriate form of infill development within the development limits that would be compatible with the character of both the village and adjacent conservation area. It is also in a sustainable location that is well served by the existing services, facilities and public transport links found within the village. The proposed means of access is considered to be acceptable and there will be no harm caused to any significant trees or protected species. With this in mind, the committee are respectfully requested to support the officer's recommendation and approve planning permission for the proposed development. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Cavill. Okay, that's the last of the speakers. So it's over to you, members. Councillor Freeman, I'll start with you. Oh, thank you, Chairman. Um, well, it's a, I think it's a very difficult one to resolve. But there's been some careful arguments presented for and against, and if you pick your way through them, uh, they, I think a, 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 a way emerges. Um, as pointed out already by a councillor who has, uh, who's responsible for that area, there is a Cheppingfield decision, and this is backland development, which is not prescribed, uh, but it has an impact on the community. And most importantly, I think that the need for development has not been demonstrated. Now, I know we need a five-year land supply, but these houses are not typical houses. These houses are 1,000 square metres apiece. Correct me on this if I'm wrong. That's what I heard. You're wrong. On, tell me how much they are. I think the 1,000 is actually the cumulative of the development. It can't be 1,000 square metres each house. It will be 100 square metres probably on the floor plan. So they're okay. probably three or 4,000 square feet. Just so you, you did say, correct me if you're wrong. Yes, uh, I heard 1,000 square metres, and uh, I have a brother that lives in a house which has twice that, so they do exist. But these are large dwellings. Uh, they're not typical dwellings for ordinary people, and so the people that live here will be probably coming in from outside of the area, which may or may not be a good thing. Uh, there is a statement made by uh, Councillor Artis that there's no affordable housing requirements. They have no contribution to that. Uh, this is, of course, untrue because I know you'll have a Section 106 requirement, but, Chairman, the Section 106 doesn't have to be spent in this village. It could be spent anywhere in Uttlesford, actually. And so it will not be of great benefit necessarily to, the, uh, to, to those that live there. There seems to be an issue going on over the other side of the room, but I shall continue. Um, 179 residents signed a petition, which must be uh, important, but going to the officer's report, if you go, if you go to page uh, 65, uh, the uh, conservation officer, item 9.5, pointed out there's no, that the conservation related concerns have not been overcome in this revised application. I note also on the bottom of page 66 that you have great crested newts that are lovely creatures. Of course, you can move them, but nevertheless, the environment, Chairman, is one which reminded me of an ancient forest. There would be an awful lot of wildlife in that place, and by the time you've built eight houses in it, most of that wildlife will be gone, because it's not possible uh, to have a building site where you, where you retain the wildlife. You can move it, but actually it will destroy it, so it will change that irreversibly. And finally, Chairman, page 70. Uh, there is the statement of representation there is no benefit to Hatfield Broad Oak residents. I think that's correct, and I think there should be benefit of a development of this size. Uh, the outbuildings are great chalks, the house, 
contribute positively to the character of the conservation area and they are being changed, there's no question about that, there's demolition of some buildings, removal of the gates and the wall uh, and also it's claimed that the houses are too large contrary to ENV1. So I think that weighs fairly heavily against this development. Um, I will ignore, because it's not a matter of planning law, uh, the things that were said about the developer or whatever. It's not relevant to this committee. Uh, but I think on balance, I'd rather see a different sort of development here, if any at all. Thank you. I'll take Councillor Lemon and then Councillor Lachlan. Thank you, Chairman. Yes, um, having read the conservation uh, officer's report, I find that I, I don't think I should be able to vote for this um, planning application, um, particularly one comment that the development poorly represents the character of this historical village. It is a historical village, and this planning application, to my mind, is to totally out of connection with Hatfield Broadoak. Thank you. <coughs> okay, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, I'm also going to. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, get the giggles now. Let go, let go. Right, don't touch it. I'll try. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I, what I was going to say, I'm also going to ignore what was said, which I actually found reprehensible and totally disgraceful and really not worthy of being brought to this committee. Um, but I actually um, want to ask, uh, we're told that somebody mentioned, that Councillor Freeman mentioned, there's no benefit to Hatfield Broad Oak, but I don't think that's strictly true because I, I think this is going to be given a public open space which doesn't exist at the moment. So I wonder, Mrs Jones, if you could please tell us how big that public open space is, if you don't mind. Do you know? I, I don't know the I don't exact want to touch size, this. but it, it's this area here. It won't go off. But I, I don't know I'll, the exact I'll take, size. I'll take a guess and say it's probably about the equivalent of an acre in the middle. An acre? Yeah, I would say it's about an acre. If that's a two hectare site, it's four acres. I would say it's about an acre. Right. Okay. So it's a, it's a quarter of the site then? Probably. So that is a benefit, a public space? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, Councillor Redfern. Thank you. I think that's someone trying to shut me up. Um, a couple of um, comments really um, I appreciate what Councillor Freeman said about um, benefit of affordable housing but I think this is kind of two way here really because to deliver affordable housing on a site like that would mean we would have to have much smaller dwellings which would mean the density would increase dramatically um, and I don't think that would be appropriate for the for the location and as for it not being a benefit to Hatfield Broad Oak, well really the only affordable housing that is genuinely a benefit to the community that it is in is exception sites because that's the only one that gives the allocations to those residents. So, this, so affordable housing on this site would have a benefit to the whole 
um, area of Uttlesford. So um, I think the kind of site that it is doesn't deserve to have lots of small houses. If we're, in a, we're between a rock and a hard place, really, it is within development um, limits. And whilst it's unusual to see a site of lots of um, substantial houses, I think this is probably the appropriate thing for this location and minimises the impact on the surrounding. Um, and of course then we do get the benefit of the um, off-site contribution for affordable housing. Um, I'd like to know, um, I know it says that there's a um, contribution for affordable housing, but it doesn't, I, I, I may have missed it, but I couldn't see when does that get paid because um, how far down the delivery of this would it be. Um, the other thing was um, Mrs Jones mentioned um, parking for the residents of Hatfield Broad Oak. Six spaces I believe she said. Uh, are those the ones at the, at the top of the um, layout? Right, okay. So that is for anyone in Hatfield Broad Oak to park in, is it? So it could, ha it could have a benefit to those at each side on the high street, could it? Because that's what... That's what two, two of the spaces are required as part of our parking standards. The other four are additional for public use for the residents of Hatfield Broad Oak. Okay, because um, I'm familiar with a site that got permission in my own ward where the landowner's intention was for the parking to have a benefit to the uh, existing residents because parking was an issue but, what, but we didn't tie it up it wasn't tied up I'm not, actually I'm not saying we I think probably the landowner was guilty of this as well as the district council but we didn't tie it up so that what's, what has happened is there is the benefit of I think it's six spaces there but what the developer um, said was actually um, we're going to sell those to those residents that, that um, want them and so that was totally the opposite of what the intention of the landowner was. The intention of the landowner was that these sites would be free to be used by those residents already existing on that particular street. And that isn't what's happened. So as it happens, there was only one person that um, wanted to pay for them. So one person has suddenly got a massive escalation to the value of his property because we didn't have that tied up. So if we're going to... Um, have this as an impact on Hatfield Broad Oak and the intention is that those parking spaces are a benefit to the, to the residents of Hatfield Broad Oak, I would also want to know that that is tied up in what we, what we do here because you know, I, I get the fact that it's within um, development limits, I get what we're trying, to, I get what's going on and they are bigger houses I understand why but if we're going to say that we're giving a benefit, I want to make sure that is tied up and we are not going to let the people down. Thank you. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. We've heard a lot of things about this site, it seems. We've heard that it's backland development. We've heard there are a number of trees that need preservation. We've read rather succinctly, I think, the comments of our conservation officer. We know that it's within, in some part it's within the conservation site and we've heard, in fact, that there are traffic issues. And it's important that we try and focus here on, 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 the, on the crucial issue that, that, that turns this decision. 
for me, what the words in your first notation 1.1 are, are the most important. It says it's a protected open space. I'm sure, I think it's more than that. I think it is the character of the, of the, of the town. I think it's not, not just intrinsically, it is the town. If you look at it from an aerial view, we had an early, earlier picture on the screen, that's what the town, the little village is all about. Take us away and it's a different place. And we are required to consider the character and nature of the space. This changes the place completely. We have a number of houses who are butters who oversee this, this green space. Of course, we all like the idea of protected species and we must consider the trees. But at the end of the day, what we are effectively saying here is, do we change the nature of this village forever, regardless of the size of house, or do we leave it as it is? Now, within development limits is, is, is a beguiling concept, because so is the common in Saffron Walden. But that would, if you change that, thank God it's protected, and obviously more than this, it would change the nature of the, of the space where people live. And I think it's a big decision to take, and not one I'm prepared to do. Thank you. Nobody else? Okay. Um, is it too many houses? I don't think it is. I think we're at sort of two to an acre. I, I think the density is so low. I think they came in previously with applications for much more and it's been basically cut back to this. Are they big houses? Yes, they are. Um, I'd like to see plot one. If somebody said that that's got three floors to it, it can't be a bungalow if it's got three floors. Has it got three floors? No. No, it hasn't. Okay. 5.5. 5.5. Okay. So it's sort of one and a half. Okay. Um, they are substantial. Um, there is a contribution to affordable, but you're right, it doesn't necessarily come back to Hatfield Broadoak. Um, it's quite a difficult one, this. A lot of the trees that are coming out are, as you say, the existing orchard. I take the point that there's 200 coming out. But I also take the point that the gardens aren't accessible to the public as yet, and the screening of the trees right the way around the boundary to a certain extent means, for me, that in general, the views will remain the same. I know we're going to see some roof lines through it, but I'm, I'm minded that, therefore, the screening is still fairly intact. And we have an acre site that now any member of the public may well be able to go in and sit at a park bench or whatever. And I'm also mindful that probably we're going to increase the parking area because I can see cars parking all the way around this, and I don't know how we're going to stop that or stop it at all. So in actual fact, we might indirectly be alleviating some of the parking problem. Um, that won't be to the benefit necessarily of these residents, but I can actually see that we're giving more pavement space, if you like, for people to park on. Um, it's sort of one problem solving another problem. Um, so I'm a little bit split down the middle. Um, we have a recommendation for approval. Does anybody want to propose? Or Right, OK. Would you like to make a proposal? Yes, Mr. Chairman. I propose rejection, quite simply, because it's not in keeping with the character of the town. Okay, that's a proposal for refusal. Does that find a seconder? Can I just clarify the reason? Now? Okay, that finds a seconder. Mr. Brown's going to clarify the reasons for your proposal to refuse. Right, you're, you're, you're proposing refusal on character, so I assume you're, you're doing two things like H3, which is basically character the, the character of the environs, and I'm assuming you're also picking up the conservation officer's comments as well in M2. So M2 is, is, no, is impact on the 
adjacent listed buildings. We have this peculiar one that only a part of it is in the conservation area, so that's where H3 is. So you can, if you think the effect on the frontage is going to be affected, then that's conservation, but I would suggest M2 and H3, and if, if Maddie may be able to clarify they've missed anything out there, but I think if your concern is just the character, which is, I'm not saying just because it's an important issue, but the character of the area, then I think M2 and H3 would do that. Okay. <coughs> sorry, okay. Sorry, sorry. You're in agreement? An EMV3, which is the open, space open space areas, yeah. The EMV3 and also traffic. We, were, we, were, we heard that, in fact, there was a risk in traffic and there was a property uh, I, I understand what people have been saying. Um, you, whether that's something that uh, you would be able to prove at appeal is another matter. Well, basically, you're going to lose two parking spaces where the access goes in, but you're going to gain a lot more on the site. So I think, I think traffic's yeah. a little one. It's road safety yeah. more than anything else. And I would also suggest... Um, oh, I've got to guess one right. The one, so we don't want to lose the Section 106 package regarding affordable housing, because that is a substantial package. So I'll put that on there as well, which is Gen 6. OK, you're happy with that? Okay, I have a proposal for refusal and I have a seconder. All those in favour of a refusal, sorry? Uh, sorry, it's Councillor Farthing. Could I carry on now? Okay. I have a proposer and I have a seconder for a refusal. All those in favour of a refusal, please show. One, two, three, four, five. Damn. <laughs> Okay, I have five for refusal. All those in favour, please show. Five. Okay. Uh, I, can't, I can't go against this. I, I'm minded to approve um, for the principles that... I take people's point that... It's changing the character of a village, but we're not going to be building Elizabethan houses. Can I just stop? First of all, we are voting on refusing it, aren't we? So, we, so therefore, you're just... Well, we are, right. Okay, 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 okay. I'm mindful okay. before yeah, yeah, we yeah, go to yeah, the next you're, one. No, you're quite right. Okay. So I have five and five for refusal. So you vote against the refusal. I'm voting against the refusal, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We have to do this twice. Okay. <laughs> that item is refused. I therefore... Sorry, it's well, not, it's refused the refusal. It's not refused. <laughs> You're just doing this deliberately today. No, because where it goes the to next... The proposal has been defeated, OK? Yeah. Right, OK. I will now propose from the chair... Can I... Yeah, can, I'm just... I think I'm going to pick up what Councillor Redfern said. I think we need to add to the Section 106 package issues around, because those, the experience in Great Chesterford was we tried to retain those uh, parking spaces by way of a condition, and it didn't work. So I think we can boost up a Section 106 to make sure it's, it's retained for public use. Don't forget, two of those are visitors, are statutory visitors' parkers, the rest of them for general. I would also add that the maintenance of the... The motor, yeah, for a manage, it'd be for a management company, which will also include the the open space, um, which would also be 
needs to, I think there's minimal maintenance, but there's responsibility there, in addition to the requirements around the, the landscaping and any uh, attenuation issues would need to be carried out by a management company. It's not necessary, but I think in this particular case, uh, belt and braces is probably important. I would also suggest, um, in terms of, when I go on that site, it cries trees. Before you go on the site, it's all about trees. Not just about trees, but made, I would say that we boost up condition four, the recommendation four, which says that not all landscaping work should be carried out in accordance, but tree protection measures, all tree protection measures uh, identified within the tree planting plant should be carried out prior to any development, any site clearance, including installation of um, site compounds. And by doing that, we also have to take away the permitted development rights for the site compounds as well. So that makes sure you can't even think about doing anything on site until the tree protection measures are on site. Okay. Sorry. So that, that makes sure that that whole centre section is protected when, while the development goes yeah. on. Yeah, sorry, there's, there's ecological mitigation, which is the middle bit, and then there's the individual TPO trees as well would have to have tree protection measures around them as well, and that needs to be in place before they even do anything on the site. Okay. Okay. Right. I'm happy to propose from the Chair. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Redfern. Right. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five. All those against, please show. One, two, three, four, five. This application is approved. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chairman. The site is located to the west of Radwinter Road in Ashton. It comprises undeveloped agricultural land. The um, dotted red line that you see on the plan there is, a, is the conservation area boundary, and the yellow line, which isn't perfectly clear, that goes around here, that's the development limits. So that includes all the existing houses, but not the site. 
The application is for outline planning permission with all matters reserved except access for a development comprising four dwellings. This plan shows the position of the new vehicular access and an indicative layout for the proposed buildings. It is recommended that planning permission be granted subject to the conditions set out in my report. <coughs> that was brief. Right, okay, caught me out. <laughs> okay, we have five speakers. Uh, Annette Bellhaljum, I mean, seriously? Bellhal Annette Bellhaljum? Bellhal yes, would you like to come forward? Sorry, I can't say it I'm sorry, Annette. How do you pronounce that second name? Belhadjum, sorry. It's a stitch up today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Chairman and, and councillors. I live at Hill Farm. I'm speaking in support of the development. The field and the farm belong to my father, my grandfather and great-grandfather and it is now owned by the four grandchildren, three of whom are here today, who want to stay in the village. They all work at the farm site beside the proposed site there. We all love our farm. We would not do anything to harm the appearance and character of our wonderful village or build houses that would have a detrimental impact on our friends and neighbours. The design and landscaping will minimise any visual impact. No trees or hedges will be removed as part of this development. I've lived at Hill Farm for 65 years. I would just like to point out to some of our neighbours who express their concerns and live opposite this site their homes would not be there today if it were not for my parents releasing land in the 1950s. They were approached by local people who wanted affordable homes, homes they could build themselves. My parents insisted the buildings were to be in keeping, preserving the conservation of the road and the village. There was, of course, opposition by neighbours at the time, similar as there is today. We understand completely not everyone likes change. But change is an inevitable part of life that is forever evolving. It was my parents who donated the land to build the Baptist Manse, the Baptist Church car park, the land for an extension car park for the village hall, without which permission was not given to extend the hall. All of these are just down the road in Radwinter Road. They donated land for car parking for the village museum. They had a great sense of community and it was their wish that their grandchildren, of whom you can see here today, have an opportunity to develop a small part of our wonderful farm here at Hill Farm. Ashton is a very small village with a primary school, one pub, and there was a shop and post office. Sadly, this has closed this year, something which has been a great loss to our village. The school has capacity for 15 children each year. This year, there were only four children attending from the village. Four came from elsewhere, making a total of eight. The expected numbers for future years are continuing to be very low. The school is the lifeblood of our community. Should this wonderful school ever have to close, it will be a very sad day for our village that has been there since our village began. The planning officer has clearly stated there is no viable reason why this development cannot take place. It's on a very unique site in between residential housing which feels very much a part of our village. 
It will have no adverse effect on our neighbouring premises. All hedgerows and trees will remain. The very small scale of this site will not be economically viable in the future due to the size and manoeuvrability of the huge farm machinery for arable culture cultivation today. We are farmers and cultivating this small field is actually very difficult. This field will probably have to go back to pastoral as it was before the 1970s. There has been very little development since the 1960s in Radwinter Road, Ashton. Housing is needed for village people. The infrastructure and the facilities are all in place. It is our opinion small rural villages must play their part in providing housing for the country's growing population, particularly where it has very little impact on the conservation of the area, where the developments are very small and they have a very positive effect on village life. My daughter, who is standing here today, and son-in-law, would like to stay in the village, which will help to sustain the school, and my son also will be able to stay in the village. They live and work on the site. They will start families and help to sustain the amenities that we have in our wonderful, beautiful village. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Mrs. Belhadjum. Uh, Stuart Hasty. Stuart, you have three minutes. Thank you. Good afternoon, councillors and everyone who's got the stamina to stay to the end of this meeting. Um, the application reserves everything apart from the proposed access road. Um, I'm going to focus on the proposed access road and its safety or lack of. Um, there were loads of issues raised by about 15 residents, including Ashton Council, against this estate being built. Um, I'll kick off with the dangerous junction there between Radwinter Road and the proposed access road. If you look up the hill from the access road at 48 metres you hit a barn. Motorists do not have x-ray eyes. They cannot see through a barn. You may remember back in the days when you took your driving test studying the highway code and seeing the stopping distances at various speeds for vehicles, a bit for reaction time and then braking distance and road conditions, etc. Those sort of things all translate into the manual for streets and the design manual for roads and bridges. And there are standard tables that are produced. That barn at 48 metres... How fast do you think you have to go to be unable to stop coming down Radwinter Road when a vehicle is pulling out of that proposed access road? At 30 miles an hour, which is what Essex Council's Highways Department put in, you can stop in 43 metres. If you go 10% above the 30 miles an hour limit, just at 33 miles per hour, you can't stop in that distance. If any of you have been and done a site visit, I'm sure you can appreciate how dangerous this road is. Uh, there's tables produced, you can read them off. At 45 me miles an hour, you'd need 98 metres to stop. At 40 miles an hour, it's 82 metres. These uh, distances get much bigger the faster people go. Happily, there is... Uh, a sign, an electronic sign, just over the road at the vicarage there, which 
monitors traffic that comes in from the Radwinter direction. It's triggered electronically by speeding cars. Anybody who's going over the 30 mile an hour limit, it flashes up slow down. I sat there last night for half an hour and monitored what cars are going above the speed limit. And the answer was 73% of them were. I sat there for half an hour, 73% were speeding. So you, if you vote for this proposal, you are guaranteeing accidents in Radwinter Road. So I suggest you reject it. There's only one other access road lower down in Cates Lane and there's been plenty of accidents there in the 10 years I've been living in the village. I don't know how many accidents it takes to outweigh the benefits of four more executive houses for Uttlesford's nationally set plan. Second issue, if I've got time to raise, is flooding. Anybody with local knowledge of Radwinter knows, Radwinter Road knows, when it rains hard, water flows down Radwinter Road, it becomes a river. If you build a housing estate, water isn't going to drain off as easily as it does with an agricultural field. It's got to go somewhere. If it goes down the road, then at the bottom of the road, there's the houses, the village hall, things like that. They have flood defences. I can't understand how the planning officer hasn't twigged. There is a flooding problem in Ashton. Water goes down Radwinter Road. The more you put in Radwinter Road, the worse the problem for the village hall and the little house and others will be. Can I get you to wrap up? Yep. Okay. Final point is uh, I don't see much benefit to the village in this Ashton has a village development plan. This site is outside it and you are looking at destroying best and most versatile agricultural land to make way for a housing estate against the wishes of the local council. Thank you for listening. <coughs> Thank you, Mr. Hasty. Uh, Melanie Horrigan. Melanie, you have three minutes. Hello, um, I live uh, in Little House, which is immediately down from the proposed development. The development as proposed, with its inner road and turning head, brings increased flood risk to our house. This issue appears to have been ignored by the planning officer, and we are very concerned about it. If you look on the government maps, we will not be listed as a flood risk area. However, the MPPF clearly states that there is a requirement to manage flood risk from all sources, including surface water and rising groundwater. Our property has a history of very specific flood problems from the field in question. One, groundwater flooding has made our garden very bog-like and the footpath impassable. Mr Bidwell, the farmer, told us that there is a spring in the field and this, with the combination of the clay subsoil and heavy prolonged rainfall, led to the flooding. The second flooding issue is surface water flooding and the plans show a blatant disregard for this flood risk. On a number of occasions we have experienced flash flooding with water flowing off the field at an alarming rate. We only avoided our house being flooded as we were home on each occasion. Most of the time, the water, 
and there is a lot of it, now flows onto the Radwinter Road from a ditch Mr Bidwell dug in his field on the other side of our hedge. Mr Bidwell also ploughs the field in a way to ensure no direct water conduit to our property. Both measures are in place to help alleviate the flooding. Building an inner road will act as a conduit for water to flow downhill into our house. The risk is exasperated by the width of the road. It's actually wider than the Radwinter Road. The turning head location and the steep gradient are 1 in 10 incline. Any amount of drainage will not solve this issue, as witnessed by the way the Radwinter Road turns into a river, as public road drains cannot cope with the exceptional rainfall experience now. The water on this private road will run directly into our house, so please do not dis just dismiss this surface water flooding issue by saying that appropriate drainage can be incorporated. The outline plans are in direct contradiction to planning policy Gen 3, surface water runoff, and Gen 2, material adverse effect on the reasonable occupation and enjoyment of a residential property. On this surface water flooding point alone, this application should be rejected as its design is fundamentally flawed. It creates an unnecessary flood risk for our house. The inner road and turning head should be removed. The ditch formalised to flow into a correct drainage outlet and an area left a shrub and tree border to act as a natural flood defence for properties further down the hill. In summary, the increased flood risk from these proposed plans significantly and demonstrably outweighs any perceived risk from this development. Please reject this plan on the basis of NPPF flooding policy. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs Horrigan. Um, Paul Horrigan? You also have three minutes. Thank you. Um, so again, um, I uh, live at Little House, um, which is just next to the, just south of the, the property. Uh, first, I would just like to um, clarify a point regarding the footpath which is on that plan. Um, we maintain that for use of the general pub public, um, and it is within our property boundary. The latest submitted plans show a link to the footpath from the, the development, which would necessitate cutting a hole in our hedge. We have not been consulted on this and only learnt about it at the weekend. Please note that we have not given consent for this, so when determining this application today, it should not be assumed that this link will be available. So as you know, the proposed development is immediately adjacent to one of Ashton's conservation areas, and our house sits within that conservation area. Our main concern here is the recreation of an estate-type inner road which is urban in nature and completely inappropriate to such a rural setting. It is outside the development limits of the village and adjacent to the conservation area and it would certainly erode the sense of rural charm which represents this side of the village. And I do not understand why the planning officer is recommending approval of a plan which is not in keeping with the other houses on Radwinter Road. All these other houses have direct access from Radwinter Road and are not on estate-type inner private roads. 
The constraints, the constraints document of the submitted application refers to a 50 metre buffer zone around the conservation area. The de this development breaches that buffer zone with the resultant detrimental effect on the vistas, trees and landscape of the conservation area. The planning officer acknowledges that the proposed houses would affect the conservation area setting. He also concludes that this development is in conflict with policy S7 and also paragraph 170 of the NPPF, so I question um, why um, it, uh, it has not been rejected. The site does not support the environmental role of sustainable development required by the NPPF and so does not pass the test of sustainability as set out in national guidance. Essentially, uh, this plan would introduce an alien pattern of development out of character with the surrounding houses on Redwinter Road. And I question whether the outline planning permission in such a sensitive site is appropriate. If a development is to go ahead in some form, then much more thought needs to go into these plans. First, there should not be an estate like Inner Road, but direct access to the properties from Redwinter Road. This would be in keeping with the area and alleviate the flooding risks that have already been referred to. Second, to protect the conservation area, there should be an appropriate buffer zone along the entire length of the footpath, and this should be a key point for consideration in any planning approval. This would also act as a natural flood defence. The width and landscaping of this buffer zone should be a specific condition of any planning approval to ensure maximum protection of the conservation area. In summary, the current plans should be rejected as is. The estate-like development is not in keeping with the surrounding uh, properties um, and is outside um, the development area and will have a detrimental impact on the conservation area. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you, Mr. Horrigan. Uh, Joe Wheatley from the Parish Council. I'm here today, well, thank you very much, Chairman and members of the committee. I'd rather stand. Yes, I would, if you don't mind. Um, I'm objecting to this application on behalf of Ashton Parish Council, and I hope I'm not largely ignored. Um, we have been contacted by many residents opposed to this application, and further objections were raised at a meeting where this was an agenda item. We have considered these views. We know the mood of the village and as such we strongly object to this application with objections submitted in writing. There is no demand in Ashton for further housing, and contrary to what has been said, it is my understanding that Uttlesford are very close to agreeing their five-year land supply arrangements. This has been expedited by a huge reduction of 1,700 to the housing projection figures for 2011 to 2033 using the new standardised methodology calculations which were published last week. Ashton already has two affordable housing developments to cater for its foreseeable needs. The site is located outside the development limits for the village and is therefore deemed to be open countryside. This application is ill-considered and cuts across the strict criteria for development in open countryside. Recommending this application so readily, so readily, makes a mockery of planning policy and undermines any faith we might have in Uttlesford's democratic and transparent planning process. Paragraph 11.2 of the officer's report states, residential development on an open agricultural field would inherently harm the rural area of the rural character of the area. That is in the report. The planning officer has stated that, and we agree with him. Thank you. 
11.2 also suggests that the farm buildings to the south are determining the village boundary. This is wrong. Agricultural buildings are appropriate in the countryside, but they do not constitute previously developed land and therefore cannot be used to determine a village boundary. Turning quickly to heritage and conservation, the National Planning Policy Framework and Planning Practice Guidance, which references, quote, conserving and enhancing the historic environment, now sets a much higher bar for heritage asset protection. Paragraph 11.5 states that there would be no conflict with policies on the design of development or effects on heritage assets. Now, how would you know this? Has the planning officer determined that there is no conflict when there has been no heritage impact assessment made? The recently refused application in Hatfield Broad Oak had a 58-page heritage impact assessment. Where's Ashton's? Why have we got nothing? There don't even appear to be any comments from the conservation officer either. Were they even consulted? I would ask the committee why heritage and conservation have not been appropriately considered in breach of national planning policy. I'm sorry, but the planning officer's report is poorly worded, ill-considered, inconsistent and contradictory. This application has no merit whatsoever in the context of local and national planning policy and the Parish Council cannot see how this could be legitimately approved. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Charles Nash. Mr. Nash, you have um, I'll try and be brief. Um, My name is Charles Nash. I'm the agent for this application. Um, On the strength of a very positive um, response to my uh, submission for pre-application advice, I submitted the application before you. Um, I believe this application um, accords with uh, the latest government advice um, that's contained within the newly revised MPPF. Um, I did consult the family regarding uh, a possible spring, um, but I was told that this wasn't the case. Um, The highway issue that was brought up Um, I um, submitted uh, drawings uh, that were accepted by the Highways Authority for this particular junction. Um, I I, I believe this is a a deliverable site and I commend um, the officer's uh, um, recommendation for approval to the members. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Nash. Okay. uh, I'm going to start with Councillor Redfern and then take Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Um, I've got a massive amount of sympathy for both sides of this um, discussion. Um, As was mentioned, Ashton does have exception sites. In fact, it was the first parish in our district to have an exception site over 25 years ago but nonetheless they do have a problem with their village school which I'm also conscious of I feel sympathy for the family who want to keep their, want to provide for grandchildren when you've got that situation Um, so I would like to there's a couple of things I'd like to ask I I did talk to Luke when we were on site this morning about the style of access because it's so 
uh, urban, horrible. Um, you know, obviously the houses on the other side of the road each have their own individual um, driveways, and, and that's what I'm used to. What I am used to seeing as the, someone who's been bought, brought up around here. So this just, I, I absolutely get what's been said about um, the sort of like the second road. I don't know what the answer to that is, but I, for me. Can, I'm asking a question actually of officers. Can we ask for this to come back as a, a detailed, a full planning application rather than an outline application? Because I, I feel um, nervous of once you've said, yes, that's okay, then actually we, we're going to struggle to put the things that we feel strongly about. I mean, I have an issue with the fact that it is a sloping site as well. We looked at that. How does it how does it work with the houses opposite and to, I know there's the way it is now there's the tree line and that kind of gives some buffer to the houses over the road but with an outline application I feel really uncomfortable I actually would like to see a family in this situation a farming family be able to deliver housing for their grandchildren that are working on the farm and the rest of it but uh, outline I just don't feel comfortable I don't feel comfortable with it but that could be my um, problem, not anyone else's, but I just wondered if we can ask for that to happen. Sorry. Mr Brown's going to clarify what you can and can't do. Yeah. We do have the right when you have an outline application if you want a particular reserve matter to be called in. Um, I can't see any justification for it in this location. This is not in the conservation area. Correct me, it's not in the conservation area. And, and then if it was in a conservation area, then we would be very reluctant to have any outline applications in a conservation area for obvious reasons. Um, it is not extraordinary to have a site. I, don't know, I know that doesn't make it difficult, but what it does mean is that all we're committing to here is four houses on this location with this form of access. Everything else, in terms of the, the layout, the design of the houses, all the other detailed issues, are basically for consideration later on. So we can't refuse... We, we can't... The ultimate sanction is we can't reject an application because it's only outline. So, so sorry, can I, just, can I just say then, so this really, we're just saying four houses in this location with that access, because that's the, that's the bit I've got the issue with, not the four houses, it's the access. Yes, Luke, sorry. No, no, I was, I was just hoping to clarify something for you, because I, I know some of what you're talking about is the visual impact of the access, and of course that's, that's for you to consider at this point, because we're talking about the access point. So, of course, you notice the bank as well, the vegetated and steep bank as well. Now, there's a, another plan, a visibility displays plan, that's been approved by the Highway Authority. It uh, forms part of the um, suite of documents submitted with the application, but unfortunately not on the slides here. You just need to bear in mind there's visibility displays they would extend 43 metres. So to the north, it would extend as far as this property here. So what, what I'm saying is, so this bank, you need, you need to consider that that would be regraded and cleared of vegetation, of course, as well, between sort of that point across the highway verge. And the same in the other direction as well for the same distance. So I'm just clarifying that to you, that that's part of the access proposals, and it's right for you to consider what the effects of that would be. Uh, thank you, Luke. Councillor Fairhurst. After Councillor Lachlan. <laughs> uh, 
Very quick two minutes, Eric, yes. Yeah, we'll just have a quick two minute adjournment. As... Sorry, everybody. Yes, one.
<coughs> Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Councillor Lachlan and then Councillor Fairhurst. Wow. Right. Okay. <laughs> Dodgy microphone. Um, well, I've kind of lost my train of thought now. Um, yes. Uh, I have read this very thoroughly and, uh, you know, I was quite concerned. Uh, but having looked at it, and I, well, I will say that it is a very professional report, and I really think that insulting the officers by saying it's poorly written when he can't defend himself is also reprehensible. And, you know, we've had two of these episodes today, and it really isn't on. Let's stick to what, what we should be doing, which I'm going to do now. Um, first of all, I've looked through all the consultations, and um, Highways Authority don't have any problem, uh, subject to conditions which uh, have been put on. The ecological uh, consultant has no uh, problems with this. And I've also looked at the flooding, um, and I will read out, because there, there are a couple of paragraphs, if you have the papers, uh, on page 92, 11.11, .11, but 11. 1-2 says, it is noticed that concerns have been raised among the submitted representation regarding the effectiveness of the proposed drainage arrangements. This would be ensured through the separate building regulations approval process. And uh, I think that is fine. That is what we usually do. And well, I'm sorry, that is, uh, that is what happens. And um, I'm happy to propose a recommendation for approval. Okay. I'm just going to park that one. Yeah, park it, park it. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, I must con uh, concur with, with Councillor Lachlan, that's rare, um, <laughs> that this is a well-written report and it does give us most of the picture. But it's very helpful and instructive to hear the speakers and them going through their particular and local issues because it gives you a much better handle on real issues. Um, I'd like to handle them Sorry, one by I wasn't, one. Sorry, I wasn't saying that, Councillor no, Fairhurst. So I said we shouldn't, people shouldn't insult the officers. That's no, a different I totally thing. agree with that completely. Um, but I'm going to go through the, those issues again, outside of, beyond this report, if you don't mind. Um, the first is that the, the traffic issue was an issue, but I would... I would tend to think that, you know, if we say that if people exceed the speed limit, we're at risk, that's a question for the traffic enforcement people. I live in a, in a historic building where the traffic speed is exceeded by vast amounts, and there is hazard. But that can't color our decision as far as the application is concerned. We've got to assume it's a 30-mile-an-hour speed limit. Um, but, of course, it's an issue we have to consider. The second thing is, is the question of flooding, and I understand that the, that the, the flooding has been given a clean bill of health, but I would like to ask of the, of the officers to look into this, because here are people living in Little House who notice this, um, and as we see this as an outline application, might have suggested whatever we do here, if we agree this, that we make special, pay special attention to this and, and do whatever we can to ameliorate the condition. Let's not just you know, in other words, attend to that issue rather than just brush it aside. Another issue which does worry me a little bit is the question of the footpath. These are big issues for us, and I suggest that if we go to the next day, foot, footpath should also be built into the process. Um, but then I come to, this is an outline application, of course, and so it really isn't a question of, 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 of bringing it back to the full application. But I'm always about the character of the, of, of the village and the nature of the village. 
And, and it strikes me, and I know Ashton quite well, it's, it's, a, it's a rather a lovely little village. It is a linear village. Um, and this is a linear development. Um, I recognise that there may be issues in terms of the second row, but frankly speaking, if I, if I was the, the, the neighbours across the road, given a chance to have a second row so we can have a nice landscaping or tree-lined barrier so I don't look onto somebody else's yard, that's an advantage to the, to the application, not a detraction from... So I'd be inclined to support this application, to be honest, and I would probably second it, if we can come around to it, second the proposal. Uh, noted. Councillor Lodge. Thank you. I was... I was um grabbed by the flooding issue as well and I know to under 11.11 under .11, he said it's basically too small for a, uh, for a SUDS uh, requirement however do we have to seek that surely, surely we can put in um, a, a condition that it has a, a SUDS type um, arrangement such that and from what I remember about SUDS is that the whole, the whole of the output is absorbed uh, to a state of which it's uh, a, a no worse than, than an agricultural field. So surely we could put that stipulation in and, um, and, and uh, alleviate those problems such that we're not going to make it any worse. Then also with regard to that secondary road, I think it's, it is swings and roundabouts. I think I would, um, if I was living in one of the houses, I would prefer to... Um, to not be overlooked, the fact that we do have uh, one large existing tree being retained, the, the, the opposite to that is that tree would be, have to be removed if all of the four houses had their own accesses and also surely that, that will be worse from a traffic perspective to have four other um, accesses onto the road. Um, so I'm, I'm quite in, in favour of, uh, of, um, of that secondary road. Anybody else? No? Okay. Um, I'm aware this is an outline application, but also whether you have a linear road. I notice everybody referred to this as an estate. I wasn't aware that four houses sort of actually meant it was an estate. Um, I was wondering whether anybody had actually considered leaving the tree in the centre and having two single drives up on either side of it, which actually split to two houses. And if that was the case, then whether that would be more acceptable. In other words, you'd have just one drive feeding two houses and that would actually move the access probably another 10 metres down the road, therefore alleviating some of the traffic issue, possible of accident, etc., etc., as you come down the hill. Um, the only way I can do that is by us refusing this and therefore it comes back. Um, so uh, I have to take things as they are. Um, I have a proposal for an approval and I have a seconder for that approval. Um, so all those in favour of an approval of this application, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, eight, four. Those against, please show. Just me, okay. Uh, and you're against, yes. Abstaining, okay. One against and one abstaining. That item is therefore approved. Um, I would have liked to have seen that come back with perhaps some variations on the road access and perhaps some resolution to the drainage. I, I get the impression that you've had a lot to do with the village and I think that there's a little bit of work that could be done here that might actually satisfy a lot of people. Um, so if everybody takes that on board, we'll see how it comes back in its final sort of form. Thank you very much. Last one. Sometimes you have to look at the, in the applicant's eyes, don't you? Which is what I did. Okay. <laughs> UTT 18, 1386, full application. Peter, when you're ready. 
Land to number three, Holloway Crescent, Leaden Road in. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, this is a planning application for the erection of two uh, two-bedroom flats with associated parking uh, just off um, uh, Willow Green in Leading Roden. Um, it's actually a resubmission of an application which was previously approved uh, just over three years, whose permission has now lapsed. Um, the state around it is a mixture of, sort of 1950s housing with uh, recently built quite modern appearance uh, dwellings to the south of the site. Um, the building would actually resemble a single residential unit um, but of a traditional design. Um, I did take some photographs, not very good, but um, that's basically the layout at the moment. It's very overgrown and fenced off, which is perhaps not very attractive in a residential um, area. Uh, the recommendation is to approve for the reasons set out in the report. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Mr McAvoy. Um, Council Lodge. I wonder if we could convey to Councillor Barker that if she calls it in for no reason stated, we might actually receive some reason why it's being called in. Uh, Mr Brown would like to acknowledge that that's his fault. But that's my fault. There was a planning reason. I can't remember what it is, but it, is not, it hasn't come through in the report. <laughs> uh, any comments, anybody? Councillor Redford. So just to be clear then, this is really basically just a... Yeah. Resubmission of an of a expired planning submission, and um, because that backs on, doesn't it, to where um, where all our where we did our first new developments, doesn't it? And so um, there's not really much we can do, is there? So. <coughs> no, there isn't actually. So I'm happy to propose this from the chair. Did you want to speak? Yeah. If you don't mind, Mr. Yes, chair. Yes, of course I can. I don't know what we're deciding here. At the end of the day, that picture is telling me absolutely nothing. Um, the picture on the back of our thing tells us it's, that it's a sort of an L-shaped creature. But if you look at the parish council's com comments, the response is that there's no need for flats. It's too big for the area. We don't need there are a couple of fairly decent issues and comments here which I can't, I can't judge on because I don't have information. No, that doesn't tell me. Sorry. Any questions then just address the officer. Okay, so my questions are it says it's not, it's not suitable for surrounding houses. What do the other surrounding houses look like? Like that. <laughs> Have you got some pictures? I haven't got pictures, I just pictures okay. of the site. It's very indicative of the houses surrounding it. I know that's not necessarily satisfactory. No, it isn't. Uh, it would be better if you had some other images, but it is a 1950s, 60s. Fifties, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, I, it's, it's no, good to I'm, know. I'm just giving you and it's what too big for the site. I can give you. So, can I ask, please, you go and see it? Um, are you questioning the fact that it's too big for the site? I'm questioning that we have we have reasonable, I suspect, 
and fair suggestions by the, by the Paris Council which I'm not in a position to make a judgment on. So we're either ignoring what they're saying or we're taking a, a gut feel. I don't know what a 50s or 60s house looks like and I can't tell you that it talks about too big for the site. So I'm not in a position to address these issues and someone applied their mind to the process in all fairness I'm not in a position to make a decision. So I've either got to withdraw from this and abstain or ask if you can see the site or see more pictures. Mr. Brown? I don't know. We had a um, this is more of a, we, we have, have, we, have we had a proposal yet? Yes, yeah, we, we, yes. we did take a proposal in the second and then yeah. I came back to you. So therefore, I think that okay. needs to go... I have to deal with that first. Um, I have a proposer and I have a seconder. Well, Councillor Lachlan proposed an approval, and you said you were seconded. Sorry, I did. I did, and you seconded it. Sorry. Right. We'll rephrase that. Can Elizabeth say that? Sorry, Elizabeth, say that through the microphone. So, therefore, we're quite clear where we are. Sorry, I know we look alike, but it definitely wasn't me. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate we're getting near to home time, but for the avoidance of argument, we had a proposal for approval via the from the chair, and it was seconded by Councillor Chambers. So, therefore, since we have a proposer and a seconder, we have to pr proceed to a vote. Okay, fair enough. Okay. I'll do it with the proviso. In future, we've got to have more pictures and just a little bit more image because in actual fact we can't see anything on here. So I, I, I take your point, but we, we do need a little bit more yeah. indicative because Councillor First is completely right. Okay, the fact this is a resubmission... Sorry. And, and we need to have a reason why it's called in. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, right. so that, yeah. Anyway, look, there, there are some failings all the way around. Notwithstanding this, this is a reapplication for something that was approved before. It is, again, I know the area quite well, living very near. Uh, it's, yeah, it's fairly indicative of the type of development in that area. But, but, so you, don't I, I, but you don't know that. But you don't know it. Okay. Uh, I, right, I have, a, I have a proposal to approve and I have a seconder. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. In favour? Those against? Those abstaining? I have three. That item is carried. Thank you very much. It's been a difficult committee today, so I appreciate your patience. Thank you for your patience in the balcony as well.